get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Time out for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. can only imagine the emotions of that man as he makes his way to the center of the St. Louis Diamond. The much anticipated start here for Adam Wainwright looking to get number 200 in his career. Strike three, bottom of the zone. Wayno has his first strikeout and a one, two, three, scoreless second inning. Ground ball right at the bag. Step on the bag. There's another double play. Wayno's got two of them. Fly ball center. Wayno is through seven. Popped him up. Edmund is out. Adam Wainwright, welcome to the 200 win club. That's what it sounded like last night on Valley Sports Midwest as Adam Wainwright accomplishes something that very few have or will in one team's uniform. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex, that was a really cool moment last night to be able to see Adam Wainwright go out there and get to 200 wins. Now, I know there were some, including our own Josh Innes, who has been very outspoken about this, who do not believe getting to 200 wins is a big deal. And I got to be honest with you, Alex, there was once upon a time in my life when I agreed, hey, wins don't matter in Major League Baseball anymore. Why should I care about a guy getting to what previously was not a significant achievement? I've done a lot of soul searching on this, Alex, and the reason why I feel that it is a significant achievement now in today's game is because I'm looking right now at the list of MLB starters under the age of 35 that are anywhere close to 200 wins. Here is the entirety of this list that are guys that have had at least 90 wins so far in their major league careers. Gare Cole, he's got 143 in his career. He's 32 years old. Mad Bum, who's basically done 134 wins in his career. One of the best pitchers of this era, by the way. Chris Sale, 120 wins in his career. He's 34 years old. Sonny Gray. Oh. He's at 98 wins so far in his career. We're hoping that he gets to 200 while he's here in St. Louis. Oh, my. I feel like he's been pitching forever. He's 33. Patrick Corbin, 33 years old. He's got 97. Kyle Hendricks, 33 years old. He's got 93 wins. Jose Quintana is on this list. 92 wins, 34 years old. And Aaron Nola is, he has the most wins of any pitcher in Major League Baseball that is currently active at the age of 30 or under. He has 90 in his Major League career. It is remarkably difficult in today's game to be able to get to 200. I don't know who the next guy is going to be that we're going to see on this list. Probably Garrett Cole. 
after that, I don't really have somebody that I can point to right now with any sort of reasonable expectations. So yeah, last night was a really big deal because it is something that you will almost assuredly not see for the next five plus years in major league. Did anybody else get excited for what he said? Because the Cardinals are going to have two guys in the rotation (laughs) that are going to get 200 wins as Cardinals, like Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola. Let's go. Maybe Madison Bumgarner will come out of retirement for the Cardinals. No, I, I, it was frustrating last night seeing Josh and he's not the only one because there were others saying like, ah, who cares about 200? It says nothing to do with Wayno being a Hall of Famer now because he got to 200 wins. Frankly, I think we've all come to terms. He might not be a Hall of Famer. No, he's, it's not that he might. He's not a Hall of Famer. He, and that's okay. He's There's nothing be, wrong with that. He's a Hall of Very Good. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame here in St. He's Louis. a Cardinals Hall of Famer. But here's the thing about it. This says nothing and never had anything to do with him becoming a Hall of Famer and everything to do with doing something that doesn't happen in baseball anymore. 200 wins with the exact same team. And you know why it was such an important night and why I was excited to watch it because I'm from St. Louis and this guy's in St. Louis and he's doing it in St. Louis. That was what this was all about. Wayno came back. We had to deal with the 17 and a half million dollars that was deferred money and then not deferred money. It screwed him over of not bringing in players that could help the team compete. We didn't have to bring that. Sorry. Sorry. There was some aggressive there. I apologize. We're trying to celebrate. I know. I apologize. Just passive aggressiveness there. But look, the season was over back like in June, May for me. April. The one thing we were watching for was this, and we didn't think it was going to be possible. And so for Wayno to to accomplish this in the fashion that he accomplished, this wasn't an eight to seven victory that the Cardinals just pushed their way through. Wayno did the impossible from what we saw this season. That was the other thing that really stood out about last night was that was a vintage Wayno performance in every possible way. It was Wayno going out there with toothpicks, toothpicks and bubble gum holding his body together. The guy clearly was not right. He had velocity that was about as bad as he's had at any point this season. He had no way to really get guys out in terms of the modern day stuff. And he was able to grind through Yeah, and gave you seven scoreless innings. I saw this last night. If you're just looking at um, Wayno compared to other guys his age. He's the oldest player in Cardinals history to throw seven scoreless innings, and he did it to get his 200th win. It's just, it's the perfect Wayno statistic to do it that way on that night to get that win. And that's really why it was so important because we've seen all of Wayno. And we talked about this in the office like Albert not getting to 700 in St. Louis. It was just different in LA than what it would have been in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. We've been through this entire career with Wayno. And you saw the end of it happen last night. That's what was special about it. It has nothing to do with a Hall of Fame case. Okay, that's what I wanted to get to next. Because this is a huge part of what took place last night. You guys mentioned before the show today. Did you guys know that Lester got 200 here? (laughs) The answer was basically no. I didn't even know he was. Because he had no connection with his fan base. Like, it's a trivia fact. Hey, where did John Lester finish his career? And 90% of the people that you ask that, like the immaculate grid stuff that people are doing, if you have like players that play for the Cardinals and the Red Sox on there, you could put John Lester and very few would get that one correct. It'd be like a one percenter, right? Wayno is different in this way. I looked up earlier today how many pitchers got to 200 wins with one team. Because this is what makes Wayno unique. He started and finished his major league career with one team. Every single win he accumulated in his career was here. 
And the answer, guys, the last time that a player won 200 games with one team was Jim Palmer 40 years ago. If you're looking for pitchers that played their entire careers with one team who started their careers after free agency was a thing, when was the first to do it? The first in Major League history in the last 45 years to start and finish their career with one team in the free agency era to win 200 games, Adam Wainwright. The end of the list. That is why last night was meaningful. That is why you felt so connected to that player. And that is why after the game, Adam Wainwright was asked in his post-game press conference about what this means and his love and appreciation for this fan base. And here's what he said on the mic in the stadium after the game last night. But I love this city. I love being a St. Louis Cardinal. And I love that I got to play my whole career here. Thank you all so much for embracing me. I love you. That is beautiful. And that is a connection that is different than what any of these other dudes have that have recently gotten to 200 or 300 or however many wins. That's why it meant something when Yachty finished his career in this Cardinals uniform. And that's why it's going to mean something as Wayno goes out on top here in St. Louis as well. Not in terms of literally winning the World Series or anything, because that can't happen. But Whoa, because well, he was able a, to get to the 200. They're win. not officially eliminated yet, are they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never say never. Am I right? But yeah, it, and it's the beauty of baseball. And, and that's why, you know, as much as we talk about wins, losses and getting to the postseason and building for a World Series and looking into the offseason, there are things that you can just say it's the beauty of the game. And Wayno getting to 200 wins in a Cardinals uniform where he spent his whole career falls into that category. And not and not just that, but I mean, you mentioned first pitcher to do it to start his career with free agency by the way i do need to amend that we were looking at a list that didn't include clayton kershaw because that happened earlier this season kershaw was at technically the first but keep everything that i just said but then add clayton kershaw to the list when was the second, second. To do it. Call <laughs> it an anomaly it doesn't matter exactly. <laughs> he doesn't count because he's not gonna be retired at the end of the season. The stats wrong hey, no it is it is a fair addendum kershaw also on this list so the pitchers that have done it Clayton Kershaw, the best pitcher of this era, and Adam Wainwright. Pretty good. Yeah. So whether it's two or one, we're really close there. <laughs> <laughs> but but just think of the amount of players that have played in this free agency area that have played their whole career with their team for 15-plus years. There's not a lot. Like, Derek Jeter's the one name that comes to mind. Adam Wainwright's on that list, and he reaches a threshold of 200 wins, which is the new 300. And you've got Yadier Molina that did it last year that did this. So... These are just the beautiful moments of the sport of baseball that I don't think happen in other sports. There are other moments that can occur, but to see Adam Wainwright go out there, stellar Wainwright outing, and by the way, to have it be Wilson Contreras that puts up the one run and helps lead Adam Wainwright through that gem of a game last night is just poetic, as you said in the office, BK. A guy that threw got under so much scrutiny, Wilson Contreras got benched from the catcher position, and he's the guy that comes through and hits the home run to help get Adam Wainwright his win. And you saw the, I think my favorite part of it last night, outside of win, win in 200 games, was just the emotion from everybody else. Look at how excited Ollie Marmol was to get through that outing, seven innings, talking with Adam Wainwright. Look at Wilson Contreras crying after the game to get him to 700. Uh, my favorite overall, Jordan Walker jumping around yeah. like a little kid Dude, in right that was field so cool. when it was caught by Tom Yemen. Those are those moments that are so special, and you saw how much it meant, not just to get to 200 for Adam Wainwright, but how much it meant to the team in a season that is lost to get to 200 yeah. for the St. Louis Cardinals. Also, there was a good and bad post-game celebration. The good being that they celebrated showering him in champagne 
in the bathroom, so you yeah. save the carpet. Good for the Cardinals. In a wheelchair, by the way. No, it we, wasn't. We it was a shopping cart. We would have done it on our white carpet. Oh, yeah, we, we would have done it in the hallway and ruined it. It wasn't in a wheelchair. It should have been in a wheelchair. That's the bat. It was in a shopping cart. Oh, was it? I thought it was a wheelchair. No, should have been a they wheelchair. Do it, they do it the same thing every time. It's the laundry cart. That yeah, it's the use. laundry cart. They but push them through. They do the whole celebration. Props to they them. pour as much nonsense as they can on them. It's props great. to them savoring the carpet because you don't spill stuff on new carpet like that. <laughs> Except for if you're here at Hubbard Radio. Walking course, around with coffee. In which case, you just dump your coffee. <laughs> just dump your around. coffee wherever you want to go. go in a circle. Just wee, wee, <laughs> more coffee. <laughs> coffee shower. That's kind of how it goes here in uh, in Hubbard Radio. I love so, inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one one day. Adam Wainwright last night gets his 200th win. Again, the statistic that I butchered uh, just a moment ago, but is uh, a <laughs> good one count. nonetheless. The only pitchers to start and finish their major league careers. Yes, I understand that Wainwright was traded to St. Louis, but he pitched in a Cardinals uniform exclusively in the major leagues. The only ones to do that and to get to 200 wins since free agency began, Adam Wainwright, and Clayton Kershaw. That's it. End of list. Two guys have done it in the free agency era. Pretty cool thing for Adam Wainwright last night. All right, coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we will have the press conference from Enterprise Center where the Blues are set to name their next captain. We'll carry that press conference live right here on 101 ESPN. So stay tuned for that. Tell all your friends they can listen to it right here on 101 ESPN. That is coming up at 1130. But coming up next, we'll discuss that announcement. What does it mean for the Blues to be naming a captain today after earlier in the offseason, Doug Armstrong sure seems skeptical as to whether or not that is the right thing to do for this franchise. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Count that, that big pan. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, we're going out to Enterprise Center where they are going to be naming, the Blues are going to be naming their next captain. So stay tuned for that. Tell all your friends you can hear that live right here on 101 ESPN, the press conference announcing the Blues' next captain coming up here in less than 10 minutes. T-Bone, Blues are naming their captain in 10 minutes. I was just going to tell you the yeah. same tell thing. Tell them friends, right? Yeah. Hey, Ryder, Blues are naming their captain. You guys going to tell me? No. God, okay. no. Uh, so <laughs> earlier in the offseason. Not even invited to the media luncheon. <laughs> we asked Doug Armstrong, as did uh, many other members of the media, hey, what's going on with captaincy? captaincy? Are, you, are you guys going to name somebody there? Is this a situation where you're no longer going to have a captain? What's your plan in that regard? Here were his thoughts on the idea of a captain three months ago. What is the role of a captain and is the role of a captain in sport anymore? I don't know if there is. You have such a group dynamic in everything these guys deal with, you know, a leadership group that this group, that group, I don't know if you need a C or if you need you need multiple A's to, to pull a team together. I also think that if you're a leader, you don't need a C. You don't, you don't need Rich Matthews to, show, to sew a letter of the alphabet on your jersey to indicate that you're a leader. But that's a more global question on the captaincy, and that's something I've been struggling with quite honestly since Petro left, is that is it a one-man job anymore? So that is something that, it, like, theoretically speaking, I actually agree with. I don't think you need a C on your chest to serve as a leader. However, I do think there is stuff that comes along with being 
the guy, right? I mean, we can just think about this show right here. My name comes first for a reason. No, I'm kidding. This is um, why we, we didn't ask you or remind you that Chen was going to be. When you soon. think about like a, a team relationship, there is typically somebody that steps up in the role of being the main voice, right? If you think about, Alex, any projects that you've ever been involved with, whether it was in school or probably more importantly, uh, something business related, if there is a lack of leadership, if there is not a chain of command, things can go awry real quick. We've seen this in a bunch of different sports where it kind of gets muddled of, okay, who's the final decision maker here? When the S hits the fan, who decides the direction that you were heading down? That's what the captain is for. The captain is also for all of the media events that you have to go to where it's just, hey, who who's going to go to this, this, and this? No, you don't have to ask. You know it's going to be that guy because he's wearing the C and that is part of the role of wearing the C. Alex, now that we do know the Blues are no longer just considering this, they are actually going to make the decision. What's your thoughts on the Blues naming a captain? I'm glad they're doing it because to me, the teams that don't have captains are still teams that aren't ready to start winning. And the Blues naming a captain means they're ready to start winning. And I, if it's going to be Shen, who I'm envisioning it's going to be, that's the decision that makes the most sense because I know there's there's people that view this as Robert Thomas should be it because he's the future. Here's the thing. I've seen it in locker rooms just as a media member. When one guy speaks, everybody listens. And that person is important to me. And look, the C doesn't need to be on his jersey. If Shen, Shen could do this with an A. Shen could do this with no letter on his jersey. But I think that C means a lot more when things are going poorly. And last year when things were going poorly, it felt like it was a group that didn't know who to look to. Now you know who you're looking towards. And to me, if it's a guy that is respected among that locker room, from the rookies, from the guys who have been in the league for two or three years with big contracts, to the veterans who might be on their way out of the league, all players respect a player like Braden Shen. So this is the right decision for a group that wants to start winning again. You've got to name somebody who is in charge of that group. And I think Shen taking charge of a leadership core makes the most sense for this team. T-Bone, do you agree it's Shen? I think so. I think Shen makes the most sense for the team since he's been here the longest and he's one of the most look-to veterans on the team as yeah. well. I, I think we all agree. If they're going to try to win right now, Shin is the guy that I would name captain. We'll find out together who the next captain will be of the St. Louis Blues coming up on the other side. Blues naming their captain, announcing it via a press conference coming up in about five minutes. Stay tuned right here on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario, 
and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Coming up momentarily, we're going to go live to the Enterprise Center where the Blues are set to announce their next caps. And we all agree, we think that it is going to be Braden Shin. The Blues will officially name uh, their captain here in just a moment. But as we were talking about on the other side, Alex, uh, the importance of this is not just who it is, but the fact that they're even doing it. Mm-hmm. Because I think there was real question as recently as a couple of weeks ago as to whether or not this team was going to name a captain going into the 2023 season. Yeah, I I was very skeptical. I think actually when you were out, T-Bone and I talked about it and I said, like, they're not naming one if they haven't named one yet. And so it surprised me. Uh, Part of me was really curious if they were going to name two guys captains and make them a co-thing. Yesterday, I I thought that was going to happen. I thought that was going to be a disaster. So I'm glad they're not doing that. Hopefully they're not doing that. Hopefully it is just one captain. Um, But this is the right move. I, I mean, here are the teams that don't have captains. Uh, Anaheim, Arizona, and Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, just named the captain. I thought it was Clayton Keller, but you've got Boston, who was vacated by Patrice Bergeron. You've got the Chicago Blackhawks. You've got Philadelphia. You've got Seattle, who just named one, and then then you had the Blues, who are going to name one. So, like, a majority of the teams that I just mentioned are teams that aren't ready to win yet, like Anaheim and Arizona, who I believe just named one, like Chicago. These teams know that they're three to five years away before they start actually competing. They're going to let the leadership group establish themselves. The Blues, it's been established already who your leaders are. And I think just like it was when Petro was the captain, just like it was when Bacchus was the captain, you've got a clear-cut answer that everybody looks to. I know Joey talked about it on a broadcast last year. When things were bad, Army would pull Shen aside and talk to him about talking to the players. That's captain material. So that's why I think it's important when one guy is the established captain. So when things are bad, the guys that are struggling can look to him. I think a lot of what happened last season. Now, there were a million things that went wrong, but part of it was it it felt as if the Blues were trying to make guys into something that they weren't ready to be yet. And this year, if they announce Braden Shin as the captain the way that we believe that they will this is something where they're counting on a guy to be something that he already is. It sounds like they're ready to go out at Enterprise Center. Let's go down there with the Blues announcing their next captain here on 101 ESPN. We've come together today to introduce a leadership group for the 23-24 Blues season. The organization is proud to announce Robert Thomas, Justin Fault, Colton Pranko as assistant captains, and Braden Shen, as the 24th captain in Blues history. As we explored the best direction for the organization moving forward, it became clear that this team needed a veteran player with vast experiences on and off the ice to hold the title of captain. As we transition into a new era of Blues hockey, having a been there, seen that, done that leader was necessary. With that said, the NHL has evolved and no one person can be held solely responsible for the team. The responsibility to prepare on and off the ice is an individual choice. What we have passed on to this leadership group is the shared responsibility to create and maintain a standard that will make our city and fans proud. Ultimately, our belief that each group functions best with a focal point leader that has the trust of his teammates, coaches, organization as a whole. Braden Shen has experience, courage, toughness, and knowledge that is needed for this group now and moving forward. 
It is Craig's and my privilege now to present Braden with his new jersey with the C proudly stitched on. I just want to say uh, uh, thanks to everyone for coming. And uh, uh, most importantly, those guys sitting to the left of me right now, uh, my teammates, it's a pretty special day. Um, you know, standing up here, uh, being the captain of the St. Louis Blues, um, you know, something I'll remember forever. But, you know, remember you guys showing up for me, uh, you know, means a lot. Uh, these are the guys that I uh, come to battle and, and, and war every day and enjoy being at the rink with them. So I just want to say thanks to you guys. Um, thanks to... Uh, uh, Mr. Stillman um, and the ownership team, uh, Doug and his man management team and, and chief and the, the coaching staff for uh, believing in me that uh, me and, uh, you know, my the leaders that we have on our team as well with, with Justin and Colton and, and Robert, that we are the guys to, uh, you know, uh, get this team in the right direction, um, you know, lean on each other and, you uh, um, you know, uh, you know, keep pushing it forward in the right direction. Uh, St. Louis Blues is a, a, you know, pretty historic franchise with many great leaders. If you look around, um, you know, the list of guys that have been the captain of the St. Louis Blues before with, you know, the Plager brothers to Bernie Federico, uh, kind of the uh, era of I grew up watching with Gretzky Hall, uh, Pronger, McInnes, um, you know, to be, uh, in history with the St. Louis Blues of, of being a captain with those guys, it's, it's pretty special and a tremendous honor, and I'm excited for the opportunity and challenge. And, you know, most recently with, with Petro and Ryan O'Reilly too, uh, I've learned a ton from those guys. Those guys were great leaders, different leaders. And, uh, you know, just from my experiences, I'm um, uh, going to try and, uh, you know, lean on that uh, kind of over my 13 years that I've been playing and, and uh you know, like I said, move this thing in the right direction. And, you know, I see our team to uh, hold ourselves and the organization to hold ourselves to a high standard um, that, um, you know, we, we have a vision for this team that we feel uh, we have goals that we are going to achieve this year. And, and uh, like I said, everyone's hungry and ready to go this year. And, and uh, there's a good energy in our locker room right now. Uh, I know camp hasn't started, but uh, there's a good excitement and, and we're looking forward to, um, you know, this upcoming season. Open it up for questions. How did Doug inform you about the uh, C, and can you describe your emotion when you found out? Yeah, just uh, uh, I got a text on Wednesday afternoon. So obviously, uh, you know, long off season, and, and uh, we're unsure of obviously the direction of kind of what was going to happen. But and they just met with them Friday morning. So like I said, between uh, the four of us that are going to be a part of the leadership crew, um, you know, and um, you know, not only that. Uh, with the four guys, it's it's ever in our locker room. We have guys that have won cups, guys that have a ton of experience. So, um, you know, the guys that are going to have voices that the four of us can lean on and, and um, you know, like I said, get this thing moving uh, to where it needs to be. Doug, was it a difficult decision and what ultimately led to the man on your right there? And uh, does he embody everything you want as a captain? Yeah, the last part first, yes, he does. Uh, as I said, I think... I think the experience, the been there, done that, uh, we are transitioning. Uh, and I think having having somewhere, someone in our group that uh, was a fifth overall pick that, that uh, 
has played on a couple of organizations that there's not much that, that he hasn't seen that, that he can uh, share with the group. Uh, and also his, his persona on the ice is, is uh, St. Louis uh, original. And I think it's something that we want to continue with. Um, but the process started uh, uh, talking to a lot of different people in our organization, outside our organization, in different sports, on leadership, on, on leadership by committee, what it took. And as I said in my initial statement, I, I just kept coming back to, to experience uh, transitioning into a, into a new era. Um, and when, when I got to the criteria that was most important uh, for this team moving forward, uh, Schenner was the natural uh, option. Uh, obviously, these decisions aren't made in a vacuum. I had a lot of different uh, people giving me input and advice. Um, great support from ownership, Mr. Stillman and, and his group. Um, asking me the questions that went into the decision and, the, and then supporting the decision. Doug, who were some of those people that, uh, that informed the decision on your uh, I, don't, I don't want to get into specific names. They're, they're former Blues players, former captains in the NHL that I've worked with uh, internationally, Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame coaches, uh, different managers. As I said, it, it's something that we took very seriously. Uh, and... When I talked to those people, I, it wasn't about individual names as the, it was about the formation of a leadership group and how it's changed and, and what goes into it. Uh, so there was a, obviously Craig, Craig and I talked quite a bit about it. We shared different ideas, uh, but it, it just became an overriding factor on, on the characteristics and where we were at as an organization. Uh, we have a vet, we still have a, a number of veteran players here as we transition, their goal is to win today. Uh, their goal is to be uh, uh, led by, by someone that has that same focus of winning today. And uh, we're excited about where we're at. Craig, I'm assuming that you believe that a captain still is needed in today's NHL. If that's the case, why do you believe so? And can you discuss your relationship with uh, Braden and why you think he's a good fit? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think captain's important for sure. I think um, it completes your team, in my opinion. Um, like you know, we talk like these guys have talked about. This team's hungry uh, to prove themselves this year and and going forward. Uh, we still have a lot of veterans on our team. Um, we're still in the winning business here, so I think having a captain is important. That in terms of that, um, Braden experience for sure. Um, Great character, toughness. I mean, he's he's been a blue here for five, six years now. He's learned from different captains that he talked about and saw how things were done. Um, he's won, and, you know, he leads by example. Uh, you can see, like, his teammates are here supporting him, so that's a good sign right there, you know, in my opinion, that they're here to show the support. Um, you know, I think Braden does everything the right way, you know, on and off the ice. He... Off the ice, you don't see all the little things he does, the work he puts in every day, you know, um, on the ice, off the ice, um, how, he com how he treats his teammates and supports his teammates and helps his teammates. And then on the ice, you guys see what he does. You know, he brings toughness, he brings scoring, he brings all the intangibles that um, go into a captain.
Braden, I know you're obviously going to have to, you know, talk to us a lot more and participate in more puck drops and the like. But when it comes to the game, does your approach change at all now that you have a C on the front of your sweater? And if so, how? No, I think that's the, the biggest thing is you don't have to uh, reinvent yourself or, or change yourself a whole lot. Um, you just got to be who you are. And, and like I said, I think the, the, good under, the good leaders understand that it's just not you. Um, it's your teammates. It's your su- support staff. Um, it's the people you rely on around you uh, to make your job easier. So, um, like I said, I, I don't think you have to go and, and just because you have a C in your jersey, just be a different person than you are. Um, you just have to be the, uh, more of the same and continue to grow and learn and, and uh, kind of you know, try and find the, be the best version of yourself. Braden, at the end of last year, some of the players talked about how off-ice kind of affected on-ice results. Uh, looking at what happened last year, how do you kind of try to change that going into this year? Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is obviously day one where we're going to get some questions of regarding last year. Um, but, um, you know, I think a lot of it, uh, we're going to put it in the rear view mirror and, and, and focus on this year. Um, you know, we feel like last year, um, you know, we got complacent at the start of the season and then we caught it or tried to catch it kind of throughout the whole season. And and obviously um, we had guys on expiring deals and stuff like that. And then before I know it, we were, we were too far behind to do anything. So um, I'm going to touch on this year. I think, you know, if you look at our locker room right now, uh, we have guys that are come here, come here early, skate together early, uh, are getting together. Like I said, there's a good energy and a vibe, and, and guys are are showing that um, they weren't ha- weren't happy with last year. So um, that's step one. Um, we have a lot of work to do, obviously, uh, leading up into the season. But we feel like guys are uh, have the right mindset, and that's most important. Uh, you know, going into training camp. Brayden, understanding that you don't want to change who you are, like you just said, what have you taken from, you touched on earlier, some captains that you've been a part of their teams that they've done that you want to become that type of guy? Yeah, it could be be captains. There's a lot of leaders that you can learn from that, um, you know, are not captains. And, And one guy, I think, I would say St. Louis, coming to St. Louis was probably the best thing for me. It was the best thing for my career and, and everything else. And just the guys I got to be around, how tight uh, everyone is, how the culture is. And, and one guy I learned, really learned from is Alex Dean. You know, um, you know, he was assistant captain as, with, along with Petro. Um, just, you know, what I really learned from him is how much he cared about his teammates, uh, how much he had a pulse on the dressing room. I know I'm talking about him now. He's, he's part of the management team and stuff like that. But that's a guy that you're going to... Uh, probably going to get a text message or phone call or something like that uh, throughout the time. And, and like I said, I've had guys that I've learned from in Philadelphia back in the day with uh, the chemo team and Scott Hartnell's when you're a young guy, you just try to absorb everything and, and learn from those guys. And there's a reason why guys play as long as they do. Um, you know, not only they're good people, um, they're always learning and always trying to get better. Um, you know, as, as, as a young guy learning from Anze Kopitar, there's, there's guys like that where you kind of look back in your experience and, and uh you kind of understand and, and, and realize why guys were doing things uh, the way they were. And, and uh, you know, you just try and uh, blend that all together and, and, and kind of come up with the right formula in your head that you think is right for the, the best for the team and, and the organization. Anything final? All right. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. 
what it sounded like live down at Enterprise Center. The news of the day, Alex Ferrario, is that the St. Louis Blues have named their 24th captain in team history. It will be Braden Shin, as we all expected here on the show. The assistant captains for the season are Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, and Colton Pareko. I think that last piece there, Alex, is something that you were discussing with me off air previously going into this segment was uh, it sound, Braden Shin reminds you so much of Alex Steen as a leader. Yeah. And I mentioned, I think Braden Shin's going to be a general manager at some point, just listening to him there and the way that he views hockey through the lens of a player. Like you can already see that the gears just shift in his head a little bit differently than they do for a lot of players. As you were listening to that, whether it was something that Army said, Baruby said, or Shin said, what stood out to you about that? So a couple of nuggets. First of all, Army at the beginning kind of contradicted himself there, which was really surprising. And it kind of leans more into the understanding of I think this was a Craig Baruby decision. I think Army truly believes that the role of captaincy has changed a little bit. He even talked about how he mentioned, you know, this isn't just a one person thing. The other leadership core guys are very going to be in charge of this team, which I understand but then hearing Craig Berube talk about the captaincy because he was asked, does it still matter? And he said, I think the captain is important still. It completes your team and helps a hungry team prove themselves. This is that transition period that Doug mentioned, and now you're stepping into it and you have somebody at the helm of it all. It's what they did with Bacchus when they started to transition into a winning team. It's what they did with Petro, and it's what they tried to do with Ryan O'Reilly. And frankly, Shen is, this, Shen is the right decision. And hearing him talk about the captains that he played for and learned from. I mean, listen to some of these names. Ajay Kopitar, Mike Richards, Chris Pronger, Claude Giroux, Alex Petrangelo, Ryan O'Reilly. Like, you don't think this guy has taken nuggets from every single person on top of the fact that he plays a physical brand, steps up for his teammates, understands what the coach's messaging is. That's another important factor. If you've got a guy who doesn't agree with the coach, then the rest of the team's not going to agree with the coach. Everything just exemplifies Braden Shen as a captain. Can I be honest? Like, uh, I know Ryan O'Reilly was the undisputed captain, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. From the moment that Braden Shen became a St. Louis Blue, he felt like a captain. You knew he was going to be a captain. Like he just did. I, he was my favorite player from the first time, first season that we watched him here in St. Louis because of how he plays, like stylistically the way that he is. How many times over the last few years have we said something to the effect of, guys, Braden Shin can't be the only one that's sticking up for his teammates? <laughs> and like... I, we kind of almost said it half-heartedly, and it's something that they did actually have to fix, and I think they have with the way that they've constructed the fourth line this year specifically. But the reason why we had to say it is because Brandon Shin was always the guy that was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, if something needed to be done, whether it was a big hit needed to be laid, a fight had to happen at the drop of the puck, like whatever it was that needed to be done for the St. Louis Blues over the last few seasons— Shin was the guy that you could always count on to do it. If they needed somebody to speak with the media, Shin was typically made available. And he does that himself. That is not something where the Blues have to go to him and say, hey, are you willing or able to go ahead and talk to the media when stuff is just not going the way that anybody wants it to? These questions are going to suck. It's not going to be fun. You're not going to have anything to say. You know exactly what's going to happen here. And he's always like, yeah, I'll go do it. I got you. I'll take care of it. 
that's what a captain is, man. Yeah. That that is the front facing part of it. And he's also very good inside of the dressing room. And you could speak more to that certainly than anybody else can. Yeah. I mean, you could just you you see the way that players react around him. And I'm curious to see. I would imagine a, a majority of that team was there, but you see how guys are. He's lighthearted when he needs to be. He stands up and speaks when he needs to be. He's always available. And I think those are qualities that are important for a team, especially. And look, I understand what I said earlier of, you know, he was a guy when things were going bad, Doug Armstrong went to and told him to talk with the players and they're like I saw a couple of texts that said well the team was still bad so obviously it didn't work it's different when you got that C man it, it really is and I know it doesn't matter also, to just some because people. you have a good captain doesn't mean you're going to be a good team no like we've seen this leadership can't the absence of leadership will mean that your team is going to be bad but the presence of leadership yeah. does not inherently mean that you're going to be good. But if you look at the successful teams, if you get the right player, that person can sustain winning culture. And I think that's what Braden Chen has been. That's the other thing, too. Like, because when people think captains, they think of, oh, well, it's got to be the best player for it. Braden Chen, since he was acquired by the Blues, leads all Blues players in goals, assists, power play goals, power play points, and shots. Like, Braden Chen is a consistent top player for the St. Louis Blues. So everything, again, it just encapsulates what a captain truly is. And Braden Chen matched that. And I think they made the right decision move. Not that I think they made the right decision transitioning to this winning culture with Braden Chen. How many ribs did he have broken? And what was it? The 2021, 22 season? I thought it was three, five, four, say three or five. Like half, like half of his, uh, his side basically was yeah. just shredded in half as he was continuing to play throughout that season. I'm not saying that like that is the reason why you make somebody a captain, but that's a pretty good reason to make somebody a captain. It's the guy I want <laughs> you know? everybody in the room to look towards and say, here's your leader. He's doing it. You, this is a pot shot. This is unfair of what I'm about to say. You don't make Tyler O'Neill your captain, man. You want somebody that's going to be on the ice every single night. And Braden Shin is willing to play through basically whatever it is that is necessary in order to go up there and like show out for his team. So for all of those reasons and so many more, we have said all along, Braden Shin is the guy that should be named the next ca- next captain of the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they did it. Me too. I'm glad they decided, you know what? Hell or high water, we're going to go out there and have somebody that has a C on their chest. And I think that this is the best thing for the Blues in 2023. Long term, maybe it ends up being Robert Thomas five years from now. Maybe it ends up being Pavel Buchnevich five years from now. Maybe it ends up being Jake Neighbors five years from now. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't really care. What you need is somebody to be the captain for at least the next few seasons while you're going through this transition. And Braden Shin was the correct person for that job right now. Doug Armstrong calling us in 15 minutes. So Doug nice. Armstrong is going to show us, uh, join us at the top of the hour. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll be joined by Doug Armstrong, Blues president of hockey operations. Very excited to see what he has to say about what led to this decision. You heard a little bit there. We'll try to dig a little deeper. That's coming up in just a little bit. Questions and answers is next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 399-9646 is the air comfort service X line for questions and answers in less than 10 minutes. Doug Armstrong will join the show, but right now let's get to this from the 314. Guys, do you think that Jamie Rivers is getting enough credit for setting the tone last night for Wayno to get to 200 wins? Didn't get to see the actual pitch. I just saw him like winding up and then like I haven't yeah, seen videos of the actual it. pitch of it. Did so you know what that see? means? 
There's no video of it. It wasn't great. Yeah, I'm well, saying. it means it wasn't terrible either because they uh, definitely no, would have shown true. it if it was awful. I'm just true. saying, like, I don't know. I know Jamie's an athlete, so I got to imagine he hit the strike zone. I will say. That's pretty cool. Oh, God. For yeah. Jamie to be able to say that I threw out the first pitch of the day that Adam Wainwright won his 200th game. I'm not like as I'm not like T-Bone to me as the diehard baseball fan. Like mine's obviously hockey. That has always been a dream of mine, though, to be able to throw out a first pitch at a Cardinals game. Like that is just such a cool thing to be able to say you've I done. I feel like all three of us should go out there one day and do it. Who would throw it, though? All three of us. You can do three simultaneously. Yeah, yeah but then Tanner gets in my way. Course, and... We've got that in our budget this year, right? I would, of course, be the one that Call is... Call it uh, BK and Ferrario Day at the ballpark. Yeah. On the mound. But the two of you would be next to me. Sidekicks. It'd be great. If that ever happened, I'd have to swift kick you to the back of the knee oh, just to watch you drop so if, that I could throw. That would be fair. Uh, guys, do you mm. think the Cardinals have anybody like Braden Shin on their roster right now? I, I think that Nolan Arenado is probably the closest thing that the Cardinals have to Braden Shin. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I would agree. I don't really know anybody else that would fall into that category. I Contreras just got some of that fire that Chin has, but I don't know if he's the leader yet since it's just year one for him. So I would probably agree it's Nolan Arnada. Contreras is probably the closest to like Justin Falk. Maybe Miles yeah. Michaelis would actually be closer Michaelis to Falk. Pro- the mustache. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest best thing there. He and then like per- Pareko is probably Goldie. In terms of like quiet leaders, yeah. go about their business, do everything the right way. Jay Bomeister was the Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, that's a perfect. He was the prototypical 100%. Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, three four three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers uh, from the six one eight guys. Who do you think has been the biggest disappointment in the NFL so far this season? Player or team? Let's go team. Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. Chargers offense looks Bengals, awesome. Bengals are up there too, but. Still, at least that's cap. explainable. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say Chargers. They just do not look. Mm-mm. They haven't looked great. I think they're going to be fine, but they just have I not don't. looked great. Which I mean, one of you picked the Bears to win the NFC North? I think that was me. Bears are pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Bears have been an atrocity. I think the Bears are pretty um, easy to explain, too. I think their coach is an idiot. And I, I think Justin Fields ain't it. Like, I think, I think the coach, two are connected. I think Justin Fields could be it if he had a better coach who actually, like, ran routes that worked best for Justin Fields, not just some weird plays. You don't like when they, like, run two guys to the same spot? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Final thing here, we'll get out on this. Who is the biggest surprise in a positive direction for the NFL so far this year, team-wise? I'd say Falcons. I didn't think they could be 2-0. Yeah, well, you didn't listen to me. Well, still tried not, not to. I'm still go Bucks. I don't believe the in the Bucs. I don't either. But the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> offense. <laughs> what just happened? Being as good as it has been so far, I don't care who you've played. I didn't think they were capable of that I, with Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. I think mine would probably be the Ravens. I was doubting the Ravens and 2-0. and oh, Like, they look legit. Their defense oh, looks like it's able to handle Rams. itself. The Rams also deserve to be mentioned. Rams aren't real. It's a facade. It's like when you're thirsty and you see a waterfall. It's not there. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we're going to catch up with the Blues president of hockey operations, Doug Armstrong, coming off of the announcement that the Blues have named their 24th captain in team history. It will be Braden Shin. What led to the decision? We'll ask Army next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Doug Armstrong, the Blues president of hockey operations, is going to be joining us momentarily coming off of the announcement that the Blues have made that they have named their 24th captain in team history. It will be Braden Shin. The alternate captains this year for the Blues will be Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, and 
Colton Pareko. So we'll be joined by Doug Armstrong coming up here in just a moment. Better to forget it is coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line if you guys have any scenarios to throw our direction for bet it or forget it. Alex, at the beginning of the offseason, we've talked about this a few different times, Doug Armstrong made it very clear. He was openly wondering if there was a place in the modern game for a captain. This is a question that I want to ask Army here in just a little bit. What do you think changed his mind? Or maybe it wasn't even like a changing of the mind. Maybe it was a led him in the direction of naming a captain. What would you guess led him that direction? The conversations he had with others around hockey. He, He always talks about his his group of people that he always kind of talks with in terms of big decisions surrounding the team. And it's a really good group to have when you have the likes of Ken Hitchcock and Chris Pronger and Al McKennis and Alexander Steen. Like you got a lot of those, the people that have been around, even said hall of famers. I think that's the group that swayed him in that direction. When you talk with guys who have been captains in the NHL to explain what the importance is of that role when you talk with coaches who have coached Braden Shen, who understand his impact on a team. And when you talk about the transition, because I guarantee he's talked with front office members that work around the NHL of that transition from a group that's trying to retool to a team that's trying to start competing again. And they talk about the importance of that leadership. I would envision that core group of people swayed army into the way of this might be important for your team right now. Uh, This is a question that might be difficult to answer. So I apologize for asking it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How much do you think it changes the way that a player is viewed here locally from the fan base if and when they are named captain? Oh, I think it changes everything. How's up? Explain that. I I mean, at least from somebody who's been in St. Louis, born and raised, like when you when you watch teams, you kind of isolate players that you say, oh, yeah, that's a captain. And it's the way they play. Specifically, I'll just go off of hockey because obviously it's the sport where you do put the letter on that person. But when you think of like a guy like David Backus, who came into the league as a big guy who was a fourth line player and pushed his way into the league, guys that step up for their teammates, guys that um, guys that showcase what it means to be a part of that team, that show the pride of that team. That's how people buy into that player. And I think the stock for that player when he's named captain goes from I like this guy to love this guy. If that makes sense. Like Bacchus was that player for me that looked as when he was drafted and brought in, people weren't sure who he was. And then when he was named captain, people were like, oh, this guy's a leader. This guy plays, bleeds for the St. Louis Blues. That's why he's appreciated so much. The reason why I ask is because I I do remember a time and it obviously changed. When Petro's almost went the other way, where people went from like really liking Petro, you know, good defenseman, and um, suddenly he was a captain, team had some struggles, and people kind of blamed it on Petro. And there was a point in time, I remember having the conversations, and again, we kind of whitewash this now because it ended up with him hoisting the Stanley Cup, but there was a point in time when people openly wondered, fans did, is it time to strip the seat? From Alex Petrangelo. And this is not me suggesting that things are going to go horribly awry this season with Braden Shin as the captain. It's certainly not because of him being the captain. However, like, I do wonder, it's kind of like quarterback in the NFL, right? They get too much blame and probably a little too much praise. When things are going well, they get all the praise. And when things are going poorly, they get all of the, the blame. 
I think some of that is also true for a captain in the NHL, where when things were going well for the the Blues, suddenly Alex Petrangelo, he was the reason why the Blues are having so much success. And when things were going poorly, he was the reason why they were having so many struggles. And so I, I do wonder how that's going to play into how Shin is remembered here in St. Louis, how his time will be remembered here in St. Louis. And it's why I'm glad he's the guy that got it. Yeah. Is because I don't think that's going to rub him in a way that is like overly negative. I think having that much put on to a guy like Robert Thomas this early in his career, especially when we all don't really know how the season's going to go for the Blues, could go well, could go a little poorly. I I do think that's another reason why I think it was smart to put it on a veteran leader this year. Absolutely. And the guy that, while you were just talking about this, comes to mind is Taylor Hall. Like, Taylor Hall was brought into the NHL as that number one overall pick, and he wasn't named the captain, but he was an assistant captain for multiple years when he was brought in. They never named him the captain because they moved on from him, but I think there's so much pressure put on somebody, one, when you're named a captain, and two, when you're that highly stocked of a draft pick. Like, Jonathan Taves is another one. He was drafted and named the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody who, look, Robert Thomas has been in the league for four to five years. Robert Thomas has established himself, but I think he's still trying to figure out who he is. Brayden Chen knows exactly who he is in the NHL, and that's why if you look at a player that way and you say, okay, do we want him to take over that role or do we want him to continue to work? Because, look, that's what Braden Chen's been doing. Braden Chen's been around all of these captains that have been in the NHL. Robert Thomas gets that luxury now. And it looks like we do have uh, Blues president of hockey operations, Doug Armstrong, on the line right now. He's joining us via the 101 ESPN hotline. Uh, Doug, we appreciate the time as always, man. Huge day, certainly, for the St. Louis Blues. How are you doing? Uh, well, thanks for having me on and, and doing very well. How about yourself? Uh, doing really well. So I, I wanted to start with this, Army, because earlier in the offseason, I remember listening to you uh, at the end of season press conference. and You were asked about naming a captain for the upcoming season, and you said it's it's something that you're going to give serious consideration, but you're not sure what the role is anymore for a captain in the modern game. What led you to this decision? Can you take us behind the scenes a bit on how you arrived at the decision, not only to name Shin the captain, but to name any captain. Yeah, I, I would say it was just dialogue. I, I was able to jump into my Rolodex, which half your listeners won't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> and, 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 and look back, look back at, uh, and, and talk to people that I've worked with that have been former captains, no longer in the league. Some players that I know that are still in the league, some former coaches, some former managers, uh, a couple of current coaches that I know very well. Um, uh, and just wanted to get a sense of of what it, what what it meant in today's NHL. I, I talked to some other sports too that that have multiple captains, uh, how it works in, in those sports. And uh, then I talked to teams and, and guys that have been experienced uh, going a year with all assistants or co-captains. So what I tried to do is I tried to we tried to turn on, turn over every stone to find out uh, what was best. And it, what came back was that. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to outthink yourself. You don't want to reinvent the wheel. And it, it became apparent that there's still a role of a captaincy, a singular captaincy uh, in the NHL. Then it became apparent that it, there's a role for that on our in our organization. And then it came to the characteristics that you want, and there was multiple ways you could go with it. We ended up believing that because of where we're at in our transition but still having veteran players, having someone with a wealth of experience, that I think anyone on our team now can go to, to Schenner with, with a question. Uh, 
and he can answer it. What's it like to be traded? Check. <laughs> you know, what's, it, what's it like to be a top pick? Check. What's it like to be in the All-Star game? Check. What's it like to be a Stanley Cup champion? Check. What's it like to, you know, power play, penalty kill, uh, uh, be on good teams, be on bad teams? There's, there's nothing, you know, at, at 32 years old, uh, entering, a, you know, his 32nd um, year as a, as a um, 32-year-old entering this season, that, that he's not hasn't experienced, and I, I thought that again, Doug, don't outthink yourself on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you talked about just that role itself and what it means in the NHL. You're one of the longest tenured general managers, president of hockey ops in the NHL. You were a part of the Dallas Stars, and then obviously your time with the St. Louis Blues. How have you seen that role of captain evolve? Uh, well, I, I think that that. When when I started, now you know I'm fortunate enough uh, still be in the league. This is the 34th training camp I've attended uh, in a management capacity, and and you know back back in the day the captain was a extension of the coach, and and basically the coach alone. Uh, now the captain is an extension of of the coach, uh, a somewhat extension of the manager, and just as importantly, extension of the ownership group and as a spokesman for the team and the city. But ultimately, it has to, you know, it goes down to what happens uh, when, when there's only 23 guys in the room. You know, that, that, that's really when the captain has to be at his best. And I think as, as society has changed, it's become more difficult, and, and Riz can talk to it's been more difficult to, to say uncomfortable things to people because it's just hard. It's hard, it's hard to, to hold people accountable, and I think that the great captains can find a way to put friendship aside in the sense of, of saying what's need to be said, trying to say it in a way that, that is soothing or people understand, but if it's not, they still have to say it. And, and I think that that's the sign of a, of a great leader in today's game. And, and I think that, uh, that the four players that we've tasked to be the leadership group and Schenner as, as, the, as the main captain have that quality. Doug Armstrong is our guest here on 101 ESPN after the Blues have announced that Braden Shin will be named the captain for the upcoming season. Uh, Doug, when you look at what, what Braden is going to be as a captain for this team, he mentioned specifically his experiences with Alex Steen and what he learned from Steen as a leader. Uh, now that Steen has come back into the fold as a member of the organization, how much do you expect Shin to, to lead once again on Steen as a guy that can help him out with some of the things that come up as a, as a captain. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to direct Shenner on, on who he should talk to or what he should do to, to get the best out of himself, whether it's Scott Mellenby, whether it's Al McGinnis, uh, you know, as ex-players, Peter Shirelli as a Stanley Cup champion manager, Steiner as a former teammate. There's so many resources he can use, and what he has to do is be comfortable with the resources that you're using. Uh, I personally am a big fan of Alexander Steen. I talk to him a lot about a lot of different things, and and I think obviously Shen said today he does too. But there there's certainly a, a wealth of knowledge in our organization, uh, and then also a wealth of knowledge he has from friends and and. Uh, supporters around the league, uh, the current players and former players and coaches that he can, he can rely on. We're talking with Doug Armstrong, president of hockey operations for the St. Louis Blues here on BK and Ferrario. Doug, onto the hockey side of things. Training camp opens up later this week, and I'm sure you're just as excited as pretty much every Blues fan. It's been a long offseason, but you talked about in the offseason, the Blues being at that 50-yard line and hoping that this team pushes towards the offensive zone. Do you feel like this offseason for you and your staff have pushed that team towards that offensive side? 
Uh, I, I would say it, it's not our staff, it's our players. The, the, the disappointment that, that we all felt at the end of the year, sometimes it goes away. You get on the golf course, you get to Hawaii, wherever you go, and, and you're, you're into summer mode. But there was a, there, there's, there's been a bad odor and a bad taste around <laughs> us, and, and it hasn't gone away. And, and that's the frustration. That's the, I said to someone today uh, that, you know, you, you know when, when, you leave, when you leave a job unattended to, you know, it, it just festers and festers. And it felt like we, we didn't get the best out of our, of who we were last year. And, you know, some years you get the best out of who you are and you're just not good enough. And, or you didn't get the breaks, but when you, you don't get, give yourself to be the best you can be, it, it, it really is a bad, it has a bad feeling. And that, that feeling didn't go away uh, from me or Craig. And, and then as you see players over the summer in return, they still have that same feeling too, which I think is really what you want, what you want to see, what you want to see is someone part of an organization. I think that last answer informs some of what I'm about to ask you here, Doug, but I think one of the big questions that we've heard from fans during this off season is uh, you're going into the season primarily with the same group of defensemen as you had a year ago. And fans have asked us, why do we believe that it's going to be different this upcoming season? So I'll ask you the same question. What gives you belief that this is going to be different defensively from what it was a year ago? Well, I think if you just look at last year alone, then then I get the question. But if you look at the year before with 110-point teams or these players' careers to date, there, you would say, why did last year happen? Not as last year the norm. Uh, if If we were... Now, if we're having the same thing a year from now and a year after that, then 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 you've answered that question. But I think there's that that disappointment from from not only the group of defensemen, but the defensemen are only a, a byproduct of overall team game that wasn't good enough. So um, the proof will be in the pudding. I don't want to. It's it, who cares what I say. It's what, what it's what we do. And I think what we're going to do is is put our best foot forward and uh, we'll be judged by that. Speaking of the defenseman, Doug, of course, nobody wants to see an injury specifically with a player like Tory Krug for how impactful he is. But from a president of hockey ops mindset, that has to open up a lot of opportunities for other guys in camp. Yeah, it does. And injuries are part of our game. And, uh, you know, this one doesn't sound like it's going to be serious, uh, but it does take him out of the first uh, part of training camp, which then, uh, like the regular season, those he those reps uh, with, with Krug were going to be with an experienced player. Not that now that's going to go to somebody different. And it's you know at, at the end of the day, we we sort of speak a little bit of both sides of most. We're, we're all in this together, kumbaya, you know, one for all. But at the end of the day, you got to earn a job, and you and to earn a job, you have to outplay your teammates to start with, and then you have to outplay the competition. And what's going to start on Thursday is to see who wants to outplay the guy that they're playing against to earn a job on our team speaking of earning jobs on the team and doug this will be the final question and we really appreciate your time hopping on with us today but with training camp opening up you know there have been a few pto players that you've brought in guys like nick ritchie isaac radcliffe who can add some depth how impactful can that be for a group that has already a lot of internal competition but now you bring in some nhl experience that can push those players yeah i i think it's exciting to bring in uh players uh, that have NHL experience or, or Ratcliffe who is a high, high pick to, to come in and, and push for a spot and uh, not this this isn't for the players they're competing against for a spot but it, it's for everyone in the organization from from the the general manager to the coach to the players to the trainers that whatever equity we built up over a number of years was spent last year 
And so now we have to, again, build that foundation of trust back up, not only, uh, you know, with ourselves first and foremost. And to do that, you know, you have to have genuine competition. And so I think those people, uh, knowing that, uh, that we feel that way, that it was sold that way, that if they come in and they outperform guys, then, then they're going to get the job. And, uh, you know, that that's just where we're at as an organization. If this was 20, let's say this was the training camp of 2019 and you asked the same question, of course we're going to give players that were here the year before the benefit of the doubt. We, we've, that, that, as I said, that equity that, that was afforded us has been spent. Fantastic. Well, well, Doug, again, truly appreciate you taking some time out of a busy day today, a fun day for the franchise. Uh, we're looking forward to training camp opening up. We're going to be out at Centene all week, and I know you will as well. So once again, thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you this week over at Centene. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys, and take care. Look to see you at the rink. There you go. Doug Armstrong, president of Hockey Operations, with us here. I think what he said there at the end is really interesting. I love it. It's a different approach than what we have heard at times from John Mosaylock over the last calendar year or so. He, he said all of the equity that we built up, and that equity was pretty significant considering he was the first person as the GM slash president of hockey operations to ever bring a Stanley Cup here to St. Louis. It's spent. Yeah. That was it. It was one bad year, one and bad it is year. out the door. And the same thing is true for the Cardinals, frankly. Like any of the the positive equity that they had built up by, you know, not having a losing season since 2007, it's gone now. And so now what do you have to do? Well, you got to go out there and you got to prove it again. You got to do it all over again. You got to the top of the mountain and now you got to climb Everest again. And you're starting from the bottom this time around. So I, I find it to be really interesting that he views it that way and that the team clearly views it that way as well. I found his answer on the defense side of things maybe to be the most revealing, Alex. And I think it's an interesting way to look at it. He basically said, hey, we're looking at it right now as that was the outlier year. Last year was weird for a million different reasons. It didn't go our way. And as a result, we had a terrible season defensively and it's going to get fixed this season. If it ends up being a trend where last season was the start of the decline of this group of defensemen, then he will end this year looking to make significant changes. That's kind of the way that I read between the lines on what he said there. I understand that. Now, I had questions about the defensive gore going into last season as well. I wondered, is it the right choice to bring back Nick Letty? Is this contract something that was really necessary for them to do? However, it doesn't really matter what I think. Now it's about going out there and doing what the team clearly believes this group can do and the forwards have to help them as well but I found that to be a really insightful answer from him yeah I love that answer and frankly I think that's why I'm on the optimistic side of things and and I know a lot of people on the pessimistic side of things I do swapped you know how this goes well it's blue season that's how this is going to work and then Tanner's just always in the middle negative Nancy 24 7 sorry buddy but but he but he's absolutely correct and I do view last year as an outlier like I don't expect Pareko to be that bad I do expect Tori Krug and Justin Falk to contribute Nick Letty and now you're going to have Marco Scandella if he's healthy with depth and if he's going off of that mindset you're talking about a team that was top 10 in goals allowed the year prior was the team that took Colorado all the way to game six it wasn't great the underlying Dom numbers basically told you this is gonna suck And everyone jumped on board with that and said, yeah, look, it did. If that's the outlier, then we're talking about a team that can be competitive with a lot of offense. And if it's not, now we're going to be talking about one of the best general managers in hockey to go out and make significant changes. So, I mean, that's what I believe makes this season so intriguing. And to his PTO answer, 
People ask why we get so excited for a Nick Ritchie or why I got excited about an Isaac Ratcliffe that they're bringing in. No, you didn't. No, I did. I did. He's my new Logan Brown, guys. Top five move by the Blues ever. Oh, well, we know how that goes. Yeah, fair, not, not good for me. But the reason I get excited for that and the reason I think people should kind of perk their ears up to that through training camp is because you're forcing other guys to perform well. These two PTO guys are out here fighting for a job. And if they outplay players, well, guess what? They're going to have that grind through an entire season. And if they don't outperform, well, you just got the best because now you've got players who you weren't sure about who showcased who they truly are. And I think that benefits a Blues team. If you missed any of our conversation with Doug Armstrong, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. It is all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. A little bit of news to pass along here. This comes from Pete Thamel of ESPN.com. Mizzou starting quarterback Brady Cook is listed as questionable for Saturday's game here in St. Louis against the Memphis. Tigers. He is still dealing with lingering effects from the knee issue. They called it a sprained knee on Saturday from the hit he took against Kansas State. He has not yet practiced this week. Pete adds that Missouri is 3-0. and Alex, I'd be pretty surprised if Brady Cook does not play on Saturday. Yeah. That is not based on any sort of reporting from me, anything that I've heard from the team. I'll start kind of reaching out to people here and seeing what they've heard. Cook played the rest of that game and all things considered looked okay. I don't think he's going to be at 100%. I think it's going to be a minute before he is back to 100%. And I think this is a really big deal for Mizzou in that game against Memphis. That's why I'm taking uh, Memphis plus the seven points. But I do think that Brady Cook will ultimately play in that game on Saturday. This is not a great report. It's not what you want to see, but it's the reality of him having a knee that is not 100%. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the question to that is, will he get back to 100% if you continue to play him? And frankly, I mean, we've, we saw what Brady Cook looked like when he wasn't 100%, and he still found that ways to shoulder, win. That was a shoulder, though. Oh, I get it, but you found oh, ways to win when you're, yeah, when, you're, when you're not 100%, you found ways to win. And I think that's the important factor in this for the Tigers. I, I think this is the play of a head coach also, where it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's not feeling too good, that sprained knee hurts, and then it's, look over here, Brady Cook's just going to dominate the next week so i'm not too concerned yet coming up next 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line we'll play a game of bet it or forget it if you've got a scenario throw it in on the text line we'll get to it next you're on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn vegas sets them up and we're here to make the call it's pk and ferrario's bet it or forget it on 101 espn Alongside Alex and T-Bone on BK, you've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Bet It or Forget It. Guys, let's start with this. After the news of the day that Braden Shin has been the na- named the next captain of the St. Louis Blues, Bet It or Forget It, Shin finishes with at least 25 goals this season. Bet it. It's like clockwork. You know he's getting at least 25. Betting it. I think he's going to get significant ice time. I think you're going to see him on power play, penalty kill, all situations like you typically do. Um, he has one season in his St. Louis Blue, or since 2018 with 25 or more goals, just for a heads up. What? He had 28 yeah, goals fact. in 2018. He had 25 goals in 2020, has not had 25 since. 24 one-off and he was injured. 
easy there. I'm, I'm betting this. I do think that he will have at least 25 goals this season. Scored 16 when they played 56 games on pace for 25 goals hey, in a full season. I want to be very clear here. You guys no, know no, my no, you love and admiration him? for Frankly, Frankly, the exact type of player that I love. Frankly, you're going to probably him try and, and trade Brower, him. Dude. If I could have a line with him, <laughs> Troy Brower, and Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie. Oh, oh, God. God. Well, guess what? You, you might get imagine? two of those three. You're going to probably try and trade Can him mid-season. retirement this year just for, for nah, one man. last two yeah, rounds? No, nah, man. He's, he's running a team in Sweden right now. He's working with the Blues. He he's got it made. Oh, dude. Brower, Shin, and Buchnevich. Mm. Oh, that would be a fun line. You know I'm right, too. Look, I love me some Troy Brower, but I might be looking for another line mate. (laughs) I'll bet this, too, by the way. I I will. I think stays healthy this year, scores 25, got the C on the chest now. And let's just be honest, they're going to be a playoff team. They could use 25 goals from Brayton Shin, so I'll bet this one. Yeah, I'm betting this one, too. I think especially when you talk about the offense that they're going to have in their top six, you're going to have a lot of situations where Brayden Shin can score. Uh, Let's stick with Blues because I got another one. We talked about the PTO guys. Bet it or forget it. Both Nick Ritchie and Isaac Radcliffe earn contracts from the Blues. Uh, no, forget it. One not of the Nick two Ritchie. will. Nick Ritchie will. Oh. But no, not both of them. I don't think there's enough roster spots on I, this team for both of them. I would bet that too. I agree with you. I and you I'm bet it you, or forget it. I, no, I wait. No, I'll You're forget it. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I don't think both will make it. I can see where. One I never said it. both make the team. I just I said sure. both get contracts. Yeah, I'm gonna forget that. Are you talking too. NHL contracts? Or are you doing this thing? Where Two-way you say, contracts. Oh, you can go down to the- okay, well that's dumb. Uh-oh. Why is that dumb? Because you guys are sleeping on my Isaac Radcliffe right now. My man is six foot it's six, like and Martin he scored Ferk. fifty goals in minors or juniors, not minors. Yeah, explain to me why you're excited about this. Six foot six. Yeah, they've got Alexi Torpchenko yeah. for that role. Not two hundred pounds. Isn't Alexi Torpchenko 200 pounds? No, he's like, I know, he's like a buck 80. Oh, is he? he? He added more bulk this offseason. Maybe. Maybe. He's in the best shape of his I'm life. I'm just telling you guys. Alexi Torpchenko is listed at 225 pounds. Don't sleep on my guy, Isaac. He might make the, t- Wait, the team over Nick Ritchie. 225. Ah, that's, that's, yeah, nah. 180 felt kind of small nah, for my boy. He's, he's a buck 180. He's a buck 180. I'm telling you guys, Ooh. don't sleep on my guy, Isaac Radcliffe. He, by the way, he played with Alexi Torpchenko. Are you genuinely excited for Radcliffe? I really am. I... I, I think this is more upside play here. I don't see him making the team out of camp. I think that, frankly, is going to be Nick Ritchie. But I could see him getting a two-way contract where they put him in the minors and call him up when injuries take place. I mean, again, this guy is a 100-point player in junior hockey. Played with Alexei Torovchenko, actually, by the way, in juniors. Wasn't good for Philadelphia. Frankly, never got a shot. But Philadelphia is kind of an ish show these days. I, I'd give him a shot to see what he can do. I'm, I'm excited. Hey, man, listen, I, I'm not the person that's going to sit out here and tell you that I've watched a lot of Isaac Ratcliffe film well, to break tell down you what, what he's going to be. You will be at training camp but with me. If he is somebody worth keeping an eye on, we'll do exactly that. Can we have a moment of honesty? This is safe space. I didn't know Ratcliffe was on a PTO until Army said his name. <laughs> That's because you guys kept shooting down my topic idea of then, them actually striking goals. Yeah, and then when he said it, I went, oh, I think I do and remember something about And we all know draft pick status matters. He was a second-round pick. T-Bone, what do you got? Guys, bet it or forget it. St. Louis Blues power play will get back to being a top-10 power play unit this season. Alex? I, I'm... 
AKA BK says we get it. I'm going to bet this one. I think they've got the weapons. <laughs> Look at me just being uber optimistic of this team. Um, Alex, better forget Blue's going to win the cup. I think they got, I think they got a, a new coach who's going to be working on the power play. That's this Mike Babcock Jr. that they're going to be working with. I think when you talk about a number one unit that's going to have players like Verana playing with Akairu and Thomas and Shannon Buchnevich, and you're going to have at least Perunovic or Krug up there, yeah, I can see it happening. So I'm going to bet this. I'm going to forget it. Okay. Top, top 10 is just, I think they're going to be better, but being better means they could finish top say, half being better means they're 30th of the league. And you're considered to be a significant improvement from where they were a year ago. So I, I'm going to say I'm forgetting it. I do think a big piece to this though, is what happens with Perunovic is Perunovic able to lock down a spot on that roster as the like sixth defenseman night tonight. And if he can, both of those units will suddenly have a legit quarterback on the power play. And that does change some things for me. So a lot of this is tied into how many games do you think Perunovic is going to play at the NHL level this year? I'm still a bit of a skeptic. I need to see it before I believe it. So I'm going to say I forget it. I'm kind of with you. I forget it. I think they will be better because I think Verona adds a slap or a uh, one-timer to the power play. <sighs> Krug, Perunovic, whoever's running, I think you see a bit of a bounce back there at the point. But like you said, top 10 is going to be really tough for a unit that was down there last year. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service sex line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. We will never see another player do what Adam Wainwright just accomplished last night, which is start and finish their major league career. So I'm talking about actual major leagues for those of the texters that are saying, oh, Wainwright started with the Braves. No, he's in the minor league system. Major league career, start and finish with one team and win 200 games with that team. Better to forget it, we'll never see that again. Betting it. The only one that I, that could get it is Nola if he re-signs with the Phillies. And I don't think he's going to re-sign with the Phillies. I think the Phillies are going to walk away from it. So uh, I'm going to bet this one. I don't see this ever happening because if a player is going to pitch that well to the point of picking up 200 wins or pace of that, they're not staying with that team. They're going to get paid elsewhere. I'm going to forget it because I think we will see it again. Now, I'm not sure it's anybody that's active that's going to do it um, because Nola probably is the only guy that would. But I can see a scenario where it does happen, though it is very rare that a guy sticks with a team for the, the entirety of his career and pitches this long. I think if a big market team drafts and develops somebody, like if Garrett Cole had been drafted by the Yankees, Garrett Cole would have been a Yankee for life and gotten to 200 wins. I think at some point a big market team will draft somebody that dominates baseball for a long time and is viewed as the next kind of great starting pitcher of his era, and he ends up getting to 200. I don't think, though this goal is super tough, I don't think it's untouchable. I'm trying to think of who the most likely guy is that's like currently active to do it. I I do think you're right, T-Bone. I don't think it is an untouchable thing. It's just hard to find the dude that is gonna do it because there's not a whole, first of all, it requires health. And that's a big piece to this. Secondarily, you have to be drafted and developed by the right team or traded to the right team at a very young age because there's so many teams that just will not resign. Like Walker Buehler, do we think that he's going to be back with the Dodgers? I don't think he's going to get to 200 wins. Agreed, but I'm just like, as a theoretical, that is a team that I would think of as being like, you're in the right situation. It's a winning organization. They're going to win year to year, and they've got the money to be able to pay for an all-time great pitcher to stay in that uniform. I don't know that they're going to resign him because it's super risky to sign a guy like that to a long-term contract at his age, especially given his injury history. Like 
there's just so much that has to go right in so many different ways for you to be able to be this pitcher. Like Adam Wainwright was on the Cardinals basically the entirety that he of his career here in St. Louis. They were either a championship caliber team or an above average team every single season but 2007 and then again in 2023. There's no other team in Major League Baseball that can say that. You have to have that in order to be one of these pitchers. So I, I'm going to be with T-Bone. I, I think I'm going to forget it. I just don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be at least a decade before we see something like that. Because yeah. I, I don't see any. You mentioned Alex, the one guy that is like probably the closest currently to being able to do something like this. And it is Aaron Nola. He's 30 years old. He's at 90 career wins. Which means over the next eight years, if he were to play eight more seasons, he would have to average 14 wins per year in order to get to 200 wins with the Phillies. Do you know how many times he has won more than 14 games in a season? I think it's what? Twice. It's a BK game. One. It's either once or twice. So this is just to speak to how difficult it is to accomplish what we just saw from Adam Wainwright in a Cardinals uniform. It's damn near impossible. It doesn't mean anything, though. It's a joke that we get excited about it. (laughs) And, and like, it's it's a really tough task because there's what ten teams that could po- probably do this. Because even if Paul Skeens, who just got drafted, what number one or number two overall, let's be honest, that <laughs> guy's not, not a be pirate. That guy's not a pirate <laughs> for life. There are too many teams in baseball that don't spend money on their players. Yep. Because there are a ton of players in baseball that should you look at and say that guy should be with that team for the majority of his career. Jackson Holiday, not even up with the Baltimore Orioles, should be a Oriole for life. Oh, he'll be a Cardinal. He won't be an Oriole for life. I can guarantee you that. Same with some of their other top players. And that's why this is so tough. And it's why it's why like it's so cool to see like Molina finish his career as a Cardinal and set records with Adam Wainwright because there's only probably ten teams in baseball that can do some of these things. And as you start to get more and more into like like the Dodgers, for example, a big market team, but are very analytically driven, doesn't happen yeah, that often. Let's go through this real quick. Who would be the teams where it could happen with that team? Because I think it's as much team specific as it is player specific. Atlanta. I think Atlanta. Yeah. I think New York. It could happen Both there. New York's. Both New York's. St. Louis, obviously. St. Louis. Houston. They've shown a willingness to spin, I'd say, yeah. I, I, Chicago. Texas. I would uh, not put Texas in there yet. Yeah. Seattle. No. Uh, I think yeah, Seattle. I think like, Seattle's getting to the point where they're going to start they spending. Kept, they kept they, Team spent, Felix yeah, for a long they've time. They spent on guys. Philly, you Arizona, no, Jeep, mm. Chicago Cubs. That's what I said. Chicago. I, I don't know if I'd put the Cubs up here. I, I think if Chicago develops the, that ace, they're going to pay him no matter they're what. Too, they've been too inconsistent to earn the benefit of the doubt. And maybe the Dodgers, if you have Clayton Kershaw 2.0. Yeah. Like you have to be at that level to get. The, you got to be a Hall of Famer. And the card. Less than 10 teams. Yeah. Less than 10 teams. You would have to be either drafted by that team, developed inside of that organization, or traded to that team prior to making it to the big leagues in order to accomplish. That's just the prerequisite. And that it that doesn't count getting to 200 wins, staying healthy, being on a winning organization for the entirety of your major league career, all and then p- pitching for 20 years is what it's typically going to take now to be able to do this. All of those things have to go right for you just to have the opportunity to accomplish what Adam Wainwright just did. It is not an easy feat to do. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, the other side of that uh, battery last night that ended up with a 200th win for Adam Wainwright was Wilson Contreras. I thought that was a significant moment for him. 
I thought it was a significant moment for him to show the fans who he is as a person and a player. We'll get into that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. So we got to bring something from off air to on air. Uh-oh, I think don't I'm the do guy this. that I hate. Yeah. I well, don't I didn't realize that I'm this guy, but I am this you're guy. You're easily hateable. I knew you were this guy ever since my laundry story. I've known this that you were this guy since the moment I stepped in this room with you. So let me clarify as to which guy I am. I'm the guy that brings in stinky food to the office. Yeah. I oh, hate yeah. that guy. You're the dude. He's the who, worst kind of guy. You're the dude that microwaves fish for lunch. And uh. I'm apparently that guy. Now I would never do that. Let me say that on the front end. I would never bring fish. I would never bring tuna in a can. I would never bring leftover fish from the night before into the office. Disgusting. That is disgusting. But what I did today was every bit as irredeemable. I brought in a Nutri-Grain bar for a lunch, for a snack. We can't really eat lunch during our show. It's a little difficult to <laughs> I don't think I've eaten lunch in, breaks. I haven't eaten lunch in three years. My Nutri-Grain bar today, Alex, was an apple and carrot flavored Nutri-Grain bar. Disgusting. Alex looks over at me during the break and says, what are you eating? That smells awful. Smells. It smelled like baby poop. Is that the worst kind of guy to be in the office? Is the one that ends up bringing in the nasty smelling food? Yes. I'm just trying to enjoy my three minute break before we come back. And now I can't because the whole studio stinks. Well, and first of all, like, why you, nobody else is eating, so like you're being yeah. the jerk and you're eating food around us. Not sharing. Second of all, yeah, you bring something that smells disgusting around people, eat it in another room. And it sounds like it should be baby food. Apple, Apple and, and freaking carrot. What made you at the grocery store walk by that and say, "Oh, this smell, this sounds good." That's Apple and carrot. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. We have a local grocery store that's right down the street from us, and they were out of my typical uh, Apple Nutrigrain. Bars. What's that one combined with like nothing? Plums? Just, just apple. Oh. And so the next best thing, the only thing they had available was apple and carrot. I gotta be honest with you, they're terrible. <laughs> like they're they're yeah. really no really awful. Smelled it. Um, who is the worst guy in the office though? Like, is it guy that walks up next to you as you're at the urinal trying to have uh, small talk? I just don't allow those guys to be in my life. I go into the stall and lock the door every time. I, t- I typically sigh when they start small talk just because I want them to know that I'm trying to do my business and we don't need to have a conversation. <laughs> I can see Tim staying at the urinal. Hey, T-Bone. Uh... <laughs> okay, Play man. Sorry. Off. That guy as bad as the one that cooks the fish in the office or has the See, apple and carrot nutrient part. No, the guy that the guy that has the food is bad, but I think the goat of bad office co-workers is the individual that always inserts himself in your conversations. Oh. That 
Bob, that is a pet peeve of mine. Do you have a name in mind? As you're no, I don't. Because <laughs> I, I think I know I who don't. you're thinking I know of. Who that was directed <laughs> I don't. I can't decide if I want to disclose the name on the air. No, I, I don't. There's not, not one in mind. I just know. You're for, a liar. I just know for a fact that the guy that lies constantly is also not yeah. a great office guy. No, I think that's a good guy because he doesn't want to hurt other people's feelings. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's actually. But yeah, the kind of individual. That always inserts himself in conversation. I think I hate the st- the stall guy worse, the really? urinal guy. Yeah. Oh, I do hate that. I just don't put myself in those situations. Though. I always go to the stall. Yeah, well, maybe I should learn. Have you ever seen the guy that uh, takes his pants all the way down while in, while at the urinal in the office? I have no, not. something wrong with that guy. <laughs> I, have I had a buddy. I had a buddy. That my, I, I am saying literally nothing else. There used to be a guy at. Really? Our employer. Dude, I had, a, I had a buddy who every time he would what? go to the bathroom, he took everything <laughs> off. Like, no joke. He would take pants, boxers, shoes, in public? socks. Yeah, public stuff. Oh, and he would no. place them in a, in a pile, and then he would go to the bathroom. I'm like, dude, what are you I, doing? I would defriend that guy. Well, we're not friends anymore. Yeah. You heard me say buddy in high school. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be I, friends with that guy. I, that just, that, that individual, I'd be worried. <laughs> Might be psychopath. <laughs> might be. Might be what yeah. gave it away. Seriously, though, you can't find somebody worse than the guy who always is a part of a conversation. You can't. That's Personal, a- public, always there for it. From the 314. Guys, Was it I me? Think- Somebody texted me it was Brad Barnes. Was it Brad Barnes that took all of his calls no, off when he went to the I, bathroom? I, I'm getting, I, I am saying nothing else, but I will tell you this because Barnes is a buddy of mine. No. Uh, it, it was not maybe him. Maybe he was like hitting at Jackson or something. From the 314. I think the guy that is most annoying at the office is the one who thinks he knows it all, has be- bad takes roughly 60% of the time. I feel sorry for T-Bone and they Alex for having to work oh, with that guy. I was just about to say, they didn't say a name, but they kind of did. Yeah. See, I'm fine with that. I don't uh, care. You know what? You know what else is bad? You can you can the act guy like that you says know what else. Hi to you when you see him multiple <laughs> times. Like, hey man, I've been broken. What did Jack- <laughs> I've been with in this yeah, what show did, what, for four years? What did What did Jackie Chan say in <laughs> Rush Hour? He's like, I just sometimes let the idiots talk so that they can make the idiot of themselves. I uh, that's a good reference. Thanks, Jackie Chan, one of my favorite actors. I know Jackie Chan. I'm not sure I know that I'm movie. Actually surprised by that. Well, he had a cartoon oh, I was when a, I was growing oh, up, yeah. and he had a bunch of like rocks. Yeah, the gave Jackie him Chan Adventures. Yeah, that was great show. Um, the other, you know, the other annoying one. Alex, you know this one well at the office. Oh, is his name guy Brandon? That, no, I wasn't going to use a name. He might do this. This is a guy that says hi to you from in the office to into the studio multiple times. Oh, Every yeah. time you see hi, him. Guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. How are He's you trying doing? trying to be pleasant. You know another... I don't. I'm not angry at this individual, but I dislike this individual. This less vent about BK's yeah. tendencies. Well, I mean, no, no, this isn't you. This is you. Bring in the stinky bar. And that's true. You did bring an apple right. carrot bar and ate in front of us. The other one that's annoying, and this just isn't like working. This is like in public. The guy that holds the door open for you when you're like a mile away. Oh, see, I think that guy's fair. No, because oh, then, no. then that's I'm, definitely me. No, because then you're in the uncomfortable situation where you have to run. I, and I don't want to run. Like, like I'll say this. I saw Alex pull in the parking lot today. I did not wait for him to walk up with me. In fact, I sprint in those situations to make sure that I you, don't. Uh, not not from Alex, but from anybody else to make sure I don't get in that awkward situation where you feel necessary to talk with him as you're walking up the staircase. You, know, like you just sprint Are you McDaniels when you look over and you see the I'm guy like, you're with and you just Doing bolt. the double stair take. Getting my exercise <laughs> in today. Yeah. Alex the- is definitely the one 
he sees somebody else getting out of their car and waits in the car an extra minute or two oh, to make yeah. sure they don't have to walk in together. I know he saw me, me today yes. when I was walking in. I, know I actually did. didn't. I was in the middle of trying to order tickets for a concert, so I, I didn't even realize. Alex has gone towards the kitchen because he needed something from in there, whether it was food or drink, whatever. Sees somebody else in there having a conversation with somebody else, realizes if I go in right now, I'm going to be pulled into that conversation and decides, you know what? Well, not worth it. I don't need that water. Um, yeah. I'm <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. You think it's water? It's out in public. Like if Katie and I, Katie and I have been out to a movie before, and like we wanted to go get refreshments, we walked up and saw somebody that we didn't want to talk to. And we're like, nope, screw it. We'll just go to the movie and not get refreshments. I mean, yeah. Kara's that way. Kara, my, my wife, will go out to the um, grocery store, and if she sees somebody that she knows that like either she wasn't a big fan of, or for whatever reason just is not interested in talking to them at that specific moment she will make sure to go the other direction to make sure that they do not see one another. Or if she has like an yeah. awkward encounter mm-hmm. with a um, somebody that checks her out at the cashier, right? The cashier person. Um, she will make sure to not Smart. go back to that you person. You know why? Because I respect myself and I don't want to put myself <laughs> yeah. in that awkward situation. Can I, can I tell you one more that just, I got to get off my chest. Guy who asses because the computer screen hurts his eyes. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I need my blue glasses. I, I, I hate the office guy. That when everybody else gets Christmas Eve off, says we're gonna work because we're overachievers. And you want to you want to name you want to name names? <laughs> you guys are naming a lot of people say, from a similar say, vicinity. I'm just gonna put it that way. Let's just say <laughs> me and Danny Mac agree on this one. <laughs> but at least you got to reach the night off, before Christmas. And the guy was off today, so uh, I'll let the dots be connected. Hey, I still remember. You got to you got to experience I keep my Christmas damn receipts. Eve. There's so many coming in right now that I'm looking at and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then everybody's saying Alex is the most antisocial individual I know. Look, you think I'm the only one that doesn't want to talk to somebody? You're sadly mistaken. There are so many people that, like, want to go get a soda. Alex is just honest. I'm just (laughs) all of you that doesn't want to say it. There are so many of you that are sitting at their desk right now. I've totally done that. I'm not going in the break room. There's two people in there. There are so many people right now that are sitting at their desk thinking, man, I would love a soda right now, but that you know what of a coworker of mine is in there, so I'm going to sit here and just not drink anything. You know what the difference is between our work environment and I would assume a lot of other people's that are probably on the text line is that we don't have an office that is just ours that we can close the door. Yeah. Like that, that's the biggest difference because ours is an open space. And I'm sure many of you have a similar situation. You know, it's a whole like open door con- or open floor pan- plan concept that's spreading through offices across the country. But it used to be we used to live in a society where one person was in one office and you had a door that you could open or close, depending on the that's mood that you were in. That's what doors were made for, <laughs> to shut people out. And frankly, I shut a lot of people out. It's amazing that we've lasted this long together, Alex. It, it is. Really is. Well, you you test my uh, you test my ability to withstand an entire day. Coming up next, Wilson Contreras has some staying power with this team as well. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
I've been emotional the whole game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I felt that to, tonight was a night for him to, to go out here and do his job, especially against a good team like the Brewers. And man, just he feels so good that, and, and and I'm proud of him because I know he's he's doing his best, and that showed me how how, how much he loves this team and how much he loves this city. Yeah, he was pretty emotional uh, from the about the sixth inning on. Um, he wanted to finish this. Uh, Wayno said it perfectly. This is a guy that not only cares about winning, he just cares, you know, and he wants to see others do well. And for him to call that game a, a shutout and be a part of Wayno's 200 was important for him. So. It was pretty special to watch. Wilson Contreras has one of the biggest hearts of anyone I've ever met. He really does. Um, he cares so much. He wants to win so much, and, and he loves his guys out there. He loves And he loves being a Cardinal. That audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest, that's what it sounded like last night. Wilson Contreras was not the star of last night. That was Adam Wainwright, who got his 200th win in his major league career. But Wilson Contreras was a nice sidekick for Adam Wainwright. He was the one that hit the home run that ended up giving the Cardinals the lead, and that ended up being all the Cardinals ended up needing. Alex, in big moments like that, you can learn a lot about people. And I think this year with Wilson Contreras, we've learned quite a bit about who he is both as a player and as a person. As a player, he is essentially the exact same hitter that he was last season with the, with the uh, Chicago Cubs. If you look at his OPS plus, 100 is exactly league average. Anything above that is that percent above league average. He's at a 126, 26% above league average offensively. Last year, 26 above league average offensively. He's been the exact same hitter this year that the Cardinals signed him to be. As a person, I think he's been the guy that the Cardinals wanted him to be. I don't know that the Cardinals knew exactly what that meant. I think they knew they were bringing in a fiery personality who was uber competitive and had some defensive liabilities in his game. I don't know if they knew exactly what that was going to entail and how it would play inside of that clubhouse. I think it took some time. I think everybody had to do some adjusting. There was a feeling out process. I think Wilson Contreras tried to make a big time impression early on, and he was pressing both in terms of his personality and also with the way that he was playing on the field. I think we are now starting to see him become himself. Last night, that dude was unbelievably emotional about Adam Wainwright getting his 200th win here in St. Louis. I think he took in just like he did last year when Albert hit his 700th home run. I think he took in everything that it meant to be a legacy player here in St. Louis, to have that kind of a relationship with this fan base here in St. Louis with that uniform on. And I think he wants to be a player that gets that kind of reception a decade from now. So I think last night was actually a really big moment for Wilson Contreras. And I do think stuff like that starts to get a warmer embrace from this fan base if it continues moving forward with this kind of production backing it up. I just uh, this is why I've always kind of looked at when people get upset with Wilson Contreras, I, I just don't understand it. Uh, the first year is never easy if you're a free agent acquisition or you come over in a trade, especially when you're coming to a team that has such high expectations. Wilson Contreras wasn't just coming to the Cardinals, he was coming to Yadier Molina's team. And there are a lot that go into that. People, even Wilson Contreras knew what the chatter was about him. Not good defensively, not going to be Yadier's replacement. He has to be offense or he's not going to be good. You don't think that's wearing on a player that comes over and thinks the exact same thing? Nolan Arenado went through it his first couple of months that first season that he was acquired. I understand, and I believe Cardinals fans understand now what Wilson Contreras provides you defensively. It's not great. Hope. 
hoping that it gets better is probably where a lot of people stand. But the pressure that was on Wilson Contreras this season and the way that the season is ending might be the best thing for him because you have all of the pressure to perform. Your team underperforms. You don't make the playoffs. Now you get this ability to showcase who you are in a comfortable scenario and go into a full off season with understanding what your pitching staff is going to be, understanding where your flaws are, and then coming into next season comfortable in your spot. And I asked this last week to you, like, does the team take on a new identity now that Wayno's retiring? I think everybody in that clubhouse is on the same level playing field. And that's a good thing for this team rather than feeling like there's this top echelon of players and then everybody else. Wilson Contreras can now be a part of the Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt kind of grouping that's leading this team. And I think they're going to take kind of the the persona of what Contreras, Arenado, and Nupar are, which is fiery baseball players that can play with with energy and passion. Nupar and Contreras for certain in that too. And Wynn and Walker kind of have a little bit of swagger to them too. Like the Cardinals are now taking on kind of that identity. And I think the whole Contreras thing, look, the whole issue at the very beginning of the year being pulled from behind the behind home plate, one was just ridiculous now that we can look at it in hindsight and knowing what the true issues really were, which was the pitching staff just was not good enough. It was nothing to do really with the catching situation, which we kind of thought at the time. But now you're starting to see the bat that you sign, and now now you're really knowing to kind of what you said. You know what Wilson Contreras is. You know you sign Wilson Contreras, and you you know from here in St. Louis, okay, he's not a bad defensive catcher, or he's not a great defensive catcher. But what does that truly look like? And now you've seen it. You've seen it, but now you've seen also the positives of him. You've seen that sure he may be lackluster defensively, but he's got a hell of a bat, becoming just the fourth catcher in franchise history to have 20 plus home runs in a single season, which is that third impact bat that the Cardinals have been searching for for some time. And also, he plays with a passion, and you and you've seen that, and that is going to draw a lot of Cardinals fans to him. And you can just erase the defensive issues. Do you think he can be a fan favorite here? Like moving forward now, if they do improve the rotation the way that we all suspect they will. And T Bone, I thought you made a really good point earlier today in the office as well, where. His bat makes it possible for Mason Wynn's glove to be in the lineup. And the same thing is true, vice versa. Mason Wynn's glove makes it possible for Wilson Contreras's glove to be behind the plate on a regular basis. They kind of balance each other out on that infield. If you have a gold glove infielder who doesn't hit a whole lot, that makes up for the fact that you've got a bat at catcher who's just an okay, probably a below average defender. Do you think he can be, given the player that he is, given what we know about Cardinals catchers and the legacy of Yadier Molina really here in St. Louis, can he be a fan favorite here if they go about this thing next year and they get the right pitching? I think he can because he plays with a fire. You see him out there with the energy. He is a third impact bat, and as we've seen this year, if you're a good offensive player, people will kind of pull towards you. And because he's at that catcher position, I do, and I, I would say this, because I felt like last night was kind of a, I don't know if it was a clutch moment, but it was a big moment for Wilson Contreras. I think Contreras. it was clutch. I agree. I Clutch is such a big thing here in St. Louis, and I think he's the guy that can come through in a clutch moment. If that was a, because you heard the Cardinals talk about last night, that was a playoff atmosphere. I, I think if you are, if this was a meaningful game in September, I would trust Wilson Contreras to come through. And I think that is why he becomes a fan favorite. I think his moment was last night. I think he became the fan favorite last night, and I think it just gets better from there. The moment he has another big moment like that in terms of winning a meaningful game 
or the moment he steps up for one of his teammates like Yadier Molina always did is the moment everybody falls in love with Wilson Contreras. And, and I think he's already there, but it can just grow fonder the rest of his time in St. Louis. So we talked a lot in the offseason about the Cardinals adding that extra big bat, right? That, that was kind of the conversation, whether it was Bellinger, Conforto. We mentioned a bunch of different names. It could come from the outfield, could come from catcher. Maybe they sign one of these shortstops to be that guy. I just went through all of the guys that ended up signing in the offseason that signed for at least $18 million. So significant pieces, right? We're talking about Judge, Turner, Bogarts, Correa, Swanson, Nimmo, Contreras, Rizzo, Jock Peterson, Abreu, Conforto. That's the list of guys that signed position player-wise for $18 million or more on an annual basis. The only player that has an, a higher OPS plus on the season than Contreras from the list that I just mentioned is Aaron Judge, and he's only played 96 games this season. Wow. Wilson Contreras is second on that list in terms of OPS plus this season. The reason why I bring that up is because, Alex, you mentioned how difficult it is to make that transition in a free agency season. We're seeing that. I mean, Dansby Swanson, 1% above league average so far this season. Correa has been a below league average. I know he didn't change teams, but it's been a weird year for him. Uh, Bogarts was a little bit of a slow start for him. Now he's about 15% above league average. It was a terrible start for Trey Turner this season, 12% above league average offensively. Wilson Contreras, of the bats that you could have signed this offseason, let's be honest, Judge was never an option for the Cardinals, was the best possible bat that you could have acquired. Now, it didn't work out this year because of all of the other crap that they got wrong. But if you're just thinking about, hey, did the Cardinals make the right move in terms of getting the bat that they were craving, they did end up getting that part right. And next year, they got to go about it in the same way, but on the pitching side of things. They have to make the same kind of acquisition that they did with Contreras, where they bet big and get it right on the bat. They got to do that now this offseason with whatever it is that they decide to do on the pitching side of things. Coming up next, we're diving into some NFL quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Alex and Tebow and I'm BK, let's dive into some NFL quick hitters in 10 minutes. We're going to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues insider for The Athletic. He'll join us to talk about the Blues naming their 24th captain in franchise history. It will be Braden Shin for the upcoming season. But guys, we got to start with some NFL quick hitters, and we will start with the big news from last night. Man, this sucks to watch. Nick Chubb out for the rest of the season, a serious knee injury. I am so glad they did not show the replay on ESPN. I unfortunately saw the replay on Twitter last night, and it was bad. Ooh, I did not see it. Guys, the offense is now going to run through Deshaun Watson the rest of the way. How much does this change, if at all, your belief in what the Browns can be this season? I mean, it changes everything. You're not as dominant of a team as I thought you were going to be without Nick Chubb. And I know their head coach spoke about it like, look, uh, Ford is going to be our premier running back and doesn't matter. Mike Tomlin said the same thing going into the game when they didn't have Cam Hayward saying like five guys can't replace what he offers to our team. You can't replace Nick Chubb. You could try and bring somebody in that can affect it, but it's not going to be the same. So, yeah, it's not on a roster yet. No. And that's why I 
I kind of assumed he was going to be brought back. Feels like it, right? Yeah, because you're not going to stick with Ford. I don't he know. Knows the offense. I don't know anything about Ford, but and it just I, doesn't make sense. I think they could be looking at Acres too. Potentially, Rams going to trade mm-hmm. him. So Acres, Hunt, those guys will and be maybe they do in. both. Maybe they yeah. go by committee in this to try and bring in more in. But if it's going through Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson showed you last night that you're not going to be a winning team. Yeah, that's my my thought process on it. I, I was skeptical of them being a playoff team. Why? Because they're built around running back. They needed Chubb to win football games. And now you got to rely on Watson. And as you saw last night, Watson, he's not the quarterback he was in Houston. He sucks. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. Miss overthrows all this. Is that I because you have playing. him on your fantasy team? Yes. Yeah. God bless him. Say a little personal he here. so bad. <laughs> it is so personal. hard to watch him. As somebody that has, unfortunately, I did not want to take Deshaun Watson for any reason in our fantasy draft. But I was on the turn. I had the first pick. And, and you and, went with Deshaun and, Watson? And T-Bone. In like the third round, <laughs> he was the took, only one that was left. T-Bone took Dak right in front of him. And let's yeah, just say I'm a little bit, I'm looking a little better than BK over there. He's so bad. Is this a worse trade, by the way? The trade plus the contract. Is Deshaun Watson a worse trade plus contract than Russell Wilson? Yeah, I, I think so. Because I, Cleveland should have known what they were getting in terms of the off-field stuff. And it was going to affect the on-field stuff. And he has not been the same since all of this off-field stuff happened. So, yeah, it was a horrible trade by them. I would agree. I, I think Watson's... It, it's a terrible trade because of what was off the field as well. And, like, I, I agree with Alex. I Sitting out a year of football before all the issues that were with him just never ends up working out well. There's plenty of examples of that. Look at uh, Le'Veon Bell when he sat out of Pittsburgh. Signs a deal with the Jets was terrible the year after that. Watson sits out a year with the Texans, gets suspended, misses most of last year. Yeah, I, I think it's much worse. By the way, I don't think it helps the running backs' arguments that we're talking about how they wanted to be paid long-term in the offseason. When Nick Chubb is out, Saquon Barkley is out, and we don't know what the situation is going to be with Austin Eckler either. You know who's not out? Derek Bleepin' Henry. <laughs> that guy's stud, well, man. Give it time. I freaking love that guy. And just, I, I don't think that's going to help the argument of any, any of these See, running backs. I, However much you believe or disagree with their stance, this will not make it more likely that teams end up giving long-term money to running backs. Teams won't. And I saw less. somebody last night make the argument on Twitter, this is why these guys need to be paid because of injuries like this. And it's why like, they you, want to be paid, right. why they need to be. And I would say, you can make that argument all you want, but owners aren't going to do J.K. that. J.K. Dobbins, same yep. guy. He was hurt in week one after trying to hold out to get some long-term money uh, from the Ravens. And Baltimore uses two guys that that replace exactly what exactly. J.K. Dobbins offered you in the first see, uh, first week. All right, let's get to the next thing. Sticking with the AFC North, the Bengals head coach Zach Taylor told reporters yesterday, quote, it's hard to say if Joe Burrow will be ready to play on Monday night against the Rams due to an aggravated calf injury. The Bengals, according to Zach Taylor, are still in the evaluation process. As the Bengals are 0-2 to start out the season, I saw this stat yesterday on Twitter. Teams that start 0-3 have a 1-in-50 chance to make the postseason. 2% of the time, they go on to make the postseason. If Joe Burrow ends up missing this game against the Jets, or excuse me, against the uh, the Rams coming up this week, are the Bengals at risk of not making the playoffs this year? Until they figure out what the deal with Joe Burrow is in terms of his injury and making sure that he can get back to 100%, yeah, I'd say so. Because that's that's your offense. Your offense is throwing the ball to the playmakers with those three guys. I saw the reports that they're even going to start talking about potentially trading um, Higgins. So, yeah, I, I would say that they're going to be on the 
chopping block of teams that might miss the playoffs if they start 0-3. And, and frankly, as much as I don't believe in the Rams, if Burrow's not back to himself and healthy, they're going to lose that game too. Yeah, I'm very concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's not just with this game against the L.A. Rams. It's clear Burrow is not the same guy when he's dealing with a calf strain. And we will see how he recovers. It may be one of those situations where it is we just got to get by to our bye week and then hopefully he can get healthy. Yeah. But I don't know when their bye week is. If it's late in the year, watch out. So it's Week seven. So they're kind of in the middle there. So they're not kind of early on. So they're not in a bad spot necessarily there. Can you survive until that point and then get that calf healthy for uh, Joe Burrow? We'll see, but I, I call me concerned just before they even play this game against the Rams. Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned as well. Their backup quarterback is Jake Browning, who was not even very good in the college game, to be totally honest with you I don't know guys. where he played in college. Washington. And huh, you love Washington. I do. I, I, their defense is going to have to step up in a serious way over the next few weeks because they're going to have to win some low-scoring affairs, and I don't know that this is a team that's set up to do that. Jake Browning's out there. How much money have you invested? How many resources have you invested in your passing game? It's all about the passing game for them. And he can't elevate those guys. Hell, he can't even keep them up to where they need to be. They're going to have to lean on the running game, and it's been non-existent for the most part so far this year, and their defense, which has been below average. The Rams could be a win, but the Rams' offense has been really good. The Tennessee Titans, I never want to underestimate. They could absolutely beat the Bengals in Week 4, and that is in Tennessee. They've got to go one and one in those two games, and then they've got to beat Arizona. If they're able to go two and two in the next four weeks, they're still very much alive. Two and four going into their bye week with the tough meat of their schedule coming up. San Fran, Buffalo, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Bam, 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 bam. That is when the meat of their schedule is, and that is when it will be determined if they're going to be able to make the playoffs or not. Bam! This season. Bam! Big fan of Emerald. I am, yeah. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. I knew it. I knew it. Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Big day down at Enterprise Center today as the Blues announced their 24th captain in team history. It will be Braden Shin for the upcoming season. And right now joining the show to discuss the news of the day, it's Jeremy Rutherford, the Blues insider for The Athletic. He joins us via the 101 ESPN hotline. JR, we appreciate the time, man. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news that Braden Shin will be named the captain for the Blues? Yeah, I think it made a lot of sense. And Doug Armstrong, you guys had him on earlier. He explained it down here at uh, Enterprise Center that this was a pretty exhaustive, you know, just kind of looking for the inf- information and talking to people about, you know, not only who, but should they even have a captain? You know, should they uh, have a single guy in charge of that responsibility? Should it be a leadership group? He said he talked to a lot of people. And, you know, I also spoke to some other people within the organization who, who said that Doug put a lot of time into this. So first of all, he wanted to come up with uh, the answer to his question. Do they need a captain? And then who is that guy? And I think all signs, as Doug said, pointed back to Braden Shen. Follow-up question, Jerry. What was your reaction when Doug started the press conference and said Robert Thomas's name first? Did you think he was going to pull a quick one on all of us? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, it was funny. I was kind of looking at the group of players who came into the room for the press conference. And when you saw Robert Thomas, you know, you kind of have an idea that it's going to be Braden Shen anyway. 
Uh, but when you see Robert Thomas with that group and then suddenly kind of Braden Shen emerges from a different door in his suit all ready to go. So uh, I think people were anticipating this. I did a poll on Twitter and it was about 75% in favor of, of Braden Shen. You know, I don't think that says anything about Robert Thomas that uh, people don't think he's a, a capable leader. I think that uh, he can be one day, especially with this eight-year contract in front of him, just 24 years old, guys. But I think anybody who's been down here on a regular basis knows that Shen could have been this guy back when they give it to Ryan O'Reilly. And now with O'Reilly gone, this is a logical choice. You know, Jerry, it did seem like when Army initially spoke that it sounded like he was kind of contradicting himself in terms of what the captain role was and then him saying that, like, it's a full staff argument. Did this decision kind of tell you that Craig Berube still has a lot of say when it comes to this group? I think so. And I know people are going to look for, you know, evidence to show that Craig Berube is still the coach in the team's mind, Doug Armstrong's mind to move forward with this group. And so every decision is going to be kind of analyzed that way. That's how I think we looked at the assistant coach hires, Craig Bruby and his staff kind of had a say in, in uh, getting Mike Weber a look and he came in and, and was hired by Doug Armstrong. So that always shows that the GM has faith in the coaching staff when he kind of goes with uh, guys that he's helped pick out. And I think this is another one. Uh, Doug Armstrong did say that uh, had a lot of conversations with Craig Bruby throughout this process in addition to all those other people that we talked about, Hall of Famers, former captains of other teams, he said different sports. Like when I say exhaustive, this was, you know, a very tedious process. Uh, and the one guy that he kept uh, the pulse of was Craig Bruby. And I asked Craig Bruby that. I said, hey, do you think a captain still needed? He said, oh, yeah, certainly. How'd you like my Craig Bruby imitation there? It sounded just like and him. He, <laughs> he said that, uh, and, and like Doug, I kept coming back to uh, Braden Chen. He's just a guy that uh, knows what it takes. And I think that uh, the one line that stuck out to me, guys, that Craig Bruby said about Braden Shen is he just does everything right. We're talking to Jeremy Rutherford. He's a Blues insider for The Athletic. And, Jer, with with your role, both with The Athletic and previously with the Post-Dispatch, you're in the locker room after every single one of these games. You're around the team as much as anybody. And a big part of the captain's role, especially in the modern era, is what they have to do with the media. It's those kinds of obligations. So from that perspective, them naming Braden Shin the captain, uh, what is your perspective on Shin and how he's handled those roles in the past? Well, yeah, I, I can give you that context. And also I'll start out by saying this, just a quick behind the scenes. So I was uh, waiting to do a one-on-one -on -one interview with Braden Shin here just uh, off the ice. And uh, the public relations department came up to him and said, okay, you got a 2.30 interview, an NHL network Zoom. You have a, a fast lane interview coming up at 4.30. <laughs> like, literally, they were just rattling off three or four things that he had in the next couple hours. And this is going to be his life now. I mean, it was before, but you always had a Petrangelo and O'Reilly to kind of shoulder some of that stuff. Uh, but th this is what he's going to do. I mean, commercials, local stuff, uh, everything. Uh, this is going to be his role. So I think he can handle it. I think he's been handling it. In the past, you know, I've mentioned this before, but Ryan O'Reilly said he does a lot of the captain stuff behind the scenes that nobody knows. Uh, but personally speaking, in terms of me, you know, I go back to Dallas Drake, Eric Brewer, David Backus, just the, the list goes on with the captains that I've dealt with. And Braden Chen, even though he hasn't worn a C, has always been a guy who would volunteer to come out and talk to the reporters after a loss. Who, if they said, no, you can take this night off, you don't have to, 
he'd say, no, I'll do it. He comes out and does it. So I think he's been a vocal guy. He's wanted to be a voice of the team whenever there was that opportunity, and I think he'll just continue down that path. I'm sure he can't wait to do promos and contests with BK and Ferrario tomorrow at Centene. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be great. I guarantee he cannot wait for something like that. He, he did. I heard him telling PR he was going to see if he could get out of that. Oh, whoa, whoa, no. Friend of the BK and Ferrario <laughs> show, JR. Come on a minute. Uh, in terms of Robert Thomas, like, to me, JR, that's why I thought they needed a captain so that all of the focus can get off of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and these guys that are expected to be the top players. Like, yes, there still are expectations when you're getting paid $8 million, but now you're not looking at them as, oh, well, you're going to be the next captain, so take a hold of this team. Now Braden Shen is that captain, and he's here for the next six years, so this is the opportunity for Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo to say, okay, now we can just be who we are paid to be. Yeah, I think that's a huge side benefit to having Braden Chen here. If Braden Chen wasn't here and you were going into this transition and Robert Thomas was your guy moving into the, the future, you know, he would not be a bad choice. But I think because you have a Braden Chen who's perfectly equipped to do all this, I mean, look at Robert Thomas. He's trying to take that step, be that guy on a consistent basis. He's going to have the big contract this this year, which he's known for over a year. So maybe it's, you know, that part he's passed. Uh, but, you know, work on your game. Be responsible to your responsibilities on and off the ice. And, you know, don't worry about having to do three radio shows, NHL Network, so on and so forth. Now, it's not to say he doesn't have to do that. He does. He recently flew out to Vegas to be the face of the team for the NHL player interviews. He's still going to do some of that stuff. And now he's going to be an alternate captain on a permanent basis for this season. But he doesn't have everything that comes with being a captain. So I think that he can be that guy in the future. And he's going to learn from Shen just like... Shen learned from the captains that he just discussed, uh, going back to O'Reilly, Petrangelo, guys back in Philadelphia with Scott Hartnell, uh, Kimo Tiemann, and lots of guys that he learned from. This is going to be Robert Thomas's time to observe, watch what Shen does, and continue to grow into that type of role. And in the meantime, he gets to focus on his own ice. All right, Jer, final question that I've got for you, non-Blues related. I was watching the Cardinals game last night, and I see this big bald guy <laughs> in the green seats right yeah. behind home plate and thought to myself, is that JR? Who's giving him these tickets? What was your perspective taking in 200 wins for Adam Wainwright, him getting the career milestone last night with you and Jamie Rivers in attendance? Yeah, how about that? I text Riv just a bit outside with that pitch. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, the mound's big. It kind of throws you for a little loop. Uh, no, it was it was great. So I've said this before, but you know, you cover a hockey team for 20 years. You're always up in the press box. You're writing about the game. You're on deadline you don't really get to soak it in like the average sports fan. And so uh, for me, you know, I took my son down there last night and we were uh, pretty close to the action. And so to be able to watch Wainwright, you know, he didn't come out of the dugout for a long time. You guys saw that and he emerges and people go bananas. And then he goes out and he's doing the interviews and he's hugging people. You know, he raises his hand. It's almost like all the, the baseball greats in history, whether they were given a farewell speech or you know, a milestone thing, like we saw last night with the 200 wins. I just felt fortunate to be a fan for a night watch it, take it in, you know, watch the smile on my son's face and see how the Cardinal fans stick around. Guys, you guys know this. Uh, you know, we're talking a team that's out of contention, and that place, there was a vibe there last night. Uh, rooting for each strike, each pitch, it was phenomenal. So to be a part, it was great. Jared, did Eli have any good one-liners last night? Because if people don't know, <laughs> JR's son Eli has probably the best one-line insults I've ever heard in my life. 
No one-liners last night, but uh, we did have the inclusive food. So a lot of, uh, hey, can I get this now? Can I get that? Can I get this? So uh, we were keeping the uh, the waitress busy last night. Smart What's your man. go-to? Are you a hot dog guy? Are you a nacho a guy? guy? You know, I did not know this, but uh, what they do is with the specific teams in town from homestand to homestand, uh, last night being the Milwaukee Brewers, they have a specialty from that city. And last night it was the cheese curd. So I uh, put away the Weight Watcher book last night and uh, checked out the cheese curd. Just make sure you never get the Skyline Chili when Cincinnati's in town. Yeah. Nobody needs that to their <laughs> stomach. That's actually on the menu. I saw that oh, coming up with, gross. Uh, with Cincinnati in town. <laughs> gross, JR. Stick with the Weight Watchers diet when that comes around. JR will be reading over <laughs> at The Athletic. We're looking forward to seeing whatever it is that you have in the works, I'm sure, coming off of uh, such a significant day for the Blues. We'll be reading over there and following you on Twitter, at JP Rutherford. All the best, man. We'll talk with you again next week. Yep, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Yeah, that's Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for The Athletic, joining us as he does each and every Tuesday here on BK and Ferrario. And as you heard him mention there, Braden Chin will be on with the fast lane coming up at 345. Braden Chin on the fast JR lane, 345. Look at that. JR was incorrect. Our guys on the fast lane just putting in the work. No, they had the leg work ready to go. They knew it was going to be Braden Chin, and they made sure the captain of the team will be on their show later on this afternoon. Nobody doing it better than Anthony Stalter and Andrew Marsh and the one and only Jamie Rivers. Looking forward to hearing the captain on with the fast Don't lane you hate that later on today. That coworker is the worst. It just takes those side swipes at you. Yeah. And knows it too. Does yeah. a stupid smirk with his nose in his Adam's apple while he's saying it, and then does a stupid chuckle afterwards. And then he goes, huh, coming up next to BK and Ferrari, a rewind on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan. Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. BK, if you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Coming up here in just about two minutes or so, we'll give you a chance to win a four-pack of ticket to Blues and Brews. That's coming up this Friday night. T-Bone is lame. He's going to be missing out on our opportunity to hang out together. But the two of us will be there. I'm bringing Baby Boy with us as well. And not just that. Don't call me Baby Boy. More importantly... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was well played. Call uh, me Blues players, alumni, <laughs> food trucks, merch, 101 ESPN giveaways, so much more are all going to be out there. It'll be a good time uh, to be had by all of us. Tickets on sale right now, or you can win free tickets coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Final thing, I want to go back to the uh, the big story of the day, which is Adam Wainwright um, winning his 200th game yesterday, Alex. I didn't know how much that was going to mean to me. I'm just going to be totally open and honest with you guys. I When I... Came into the season, I was like, it'd probably be pretty cool, but I I just don't know how it's going to resonate. And as we watched him go for it, I think it built the anticipation, and certainly you saw all of the adversity that he went through this season where he was trying to just hold it together with toothpicks and bubble gum. 
it ended up feeling really meaningful yesterday. And then when we looked it up before the show today, for us to find out that the only players to start their careers after free agency began to win 200 games with one team were Clayton Kershaw and Adam Wainwright, it feels that much more important. I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like what we saw yesterday, where a player starts and finishes their major league career with one team and wins 200 games with that team. It, it, it feels unlikely, but possible. So yesterday we did watch some serious history here in St. Louis, and it, it did feel meaningful. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't care anybody that looks at this and say, like, it doesn't matter because in St. Louis it does matter. And when it's a player like Adam Wainwright from here start to finish, and I do believe that the game, the way that it played out, made it that much more sure. exciting because if that was an 8-7 victory that Wayno exited through five and gave up six runs and the bullpen almost blew it and then the offense came back and won it for him, then I don't think we'd be as excited about it. But the fact that it was against Milwaukee, division opponent, it was a one nothing shutout victory by that entire pitching staff that's been bad this year, and then everybody celebrating the way that they did made it that much more exciting and frankly good for Cardinals fans because there has not been a lot to get that excited about this season. Yeah, and, and I think to BK's point, I it, it's unfair to say this, but I think what helped lead to the excitement and the way that at least I felt it, with him winning 200 yesterday was seeing the adversity that he went through this year. The fact of the matter that he had to work his way from a 10 ERA to a guy that I think on at least twice I can remember us coming in going do you keep him in the rotation? Yeah. How can you keep him in the rotation? What is the plan moving forward? And, and credit to the Cardinals, you know, abandoning bullpens between starts ended up being the thing that actually helped, helped keep his stuff crisp to where he could win 199 and win 200. And then, like you said, the way it played out to have it be not only just them winning a one nothing game against a division team, but it to be a vintage Wayno start is how he ends up getting to 200. And it's not just a special thing for St. Louis. Don't get me wrong. It's more special in St. Louis. It's a special thing for the game of baseball to see someone be with the same team for as long as he has and to get to 200 wins. Yeah, go, just go watch literally 10 minutes on MLB Network at any portion of the, sh- of the day today. They're talking about it on MLB now. I'm watching uh, Brian Kinney go back and forth on this with Jason Stark. They're talking about how meaningful it was. Earlier today uh, I saw Mike, Mark DeRosa had some, th- some thoughts on it as well with MLB Central. It's a huge story. It's a massive accomplishment for Adam Wainwright. So huge congrats to him for doing that last night. By the way, the news from earlier today with the Blues is that they have named their 24th captain in team history. It is Braden Shin. He will be joining the fast lane coming up later on this afternoon. And right now, if you're texture number 101 at 314-399-9646 and you can answer this question correctly, you are getting the four pack of tickets to Blues and Brews this Friday evening at Anheuser-Busch Brewery. The question is this earlier today during the junk drawer i said i am the worst because i do this and i didn't realize that i did it so what is answers. this fill in that blank there if you can't answer that question your texture number 101 <laughs> you are getting the four pack of tickets to blues and brews for alex and t-bone i'm bk we'll talk to you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m the fast lanes coming up next you're on 101 espn you've been listening to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 ESPN.